podcast has bad words. <laughs> Hello, patrons. What's up, y'all? Thanks so much for your support. We're here with uh, Jamie Kilstein. You guys are the best. Whenever I do my Patreon episode, I always start with just something like filthy that it, like I, sometimes I'll trash the regular audience. I'll just be like, <laughs> "You guys are actually good people." Put your now money for the real show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, it is true that these are the people who aren't the freeloaders. Yeah, and I, I really do appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but because uh, not just because like it pays for the studio space that we're in, which is great to have, but. I'm sure Sean and his family appreciates the the patrons, as does Jordan and mm-hmm. his secret family, mm-hmm. and uh, Jess and, and the rest of our team. Of course, Ryan and I appreciate you. Uh, mm-hmm. For you make the podcast 100% advertisement free. I can't yeah. do advertisement now. There are a few reasons. We're talking about Crystalia in a moment. <clears throat> oh, We're oh, talking man. about being canceled, and sometimes there are legitimate reasons to be canceled. But Ryan and I are are functionally uncancelable, right? You can't cancel me. I cancel you, right? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Well, because we don't have advertisers, right? And and now, like every advertiser has pulled away from Crystalia's podcast because of. Well, we'll get to him in a moment. Um, I've talked to WME because we have the same booking agent as him. Well, we had the same booking agent. They dumped him. Yeah. Oh my um, god, I cannot believe I haven't heard about this. I just want to talk about it right now. I'm so I can't wait. But also I'm really proud of you that you haven't heard about it because like that's a beautiful world to live in. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't really. I go on Twitter. I don't think I follow Chris Lee on Twitter, so that's one thing. That's well, the, it that's wouldn't matter. The, he's not. And then, he's not going to tell you that he's been canceled. Oh yeah, that's true. I have Instagram, but uh, I get on there so rarely. Instagram is just. Well, have you heard the term? And I heard it this morning, and I thought it was good because I the Dalia thing because it's in comedy. I started like scrolling Twitter more than I have been in a while because mm. I've been pretty good about being off Twitter. Like I'll post my stuff. Uh, same with Facebook. And then Instagram I really like because I feel like I'm like making stuff, you know, and I'm attracting a new cool audience. Um, and it's less toxic on Instagram. But there's a term called doom scrolling. Have you heard of that? No. It's so perfect, right? Where you just find yourself on Twitter following, like let's say Trump says something or let's oh. say this Dalia thing and you're just searching the hashtag and you can feel your heart kind of, it, it, it's like yes. gossip. You're yeah. just getting the ultimate like, oh, this guy's life's getting you're ruined. You're intentionally looking at all the negative. Yeah. But, so, so here's Doom the thing. I, I hate yeah. to see anyone's life get ruined, but can you fill Ryan in and I'll try to fill in the gaps what where, what you miss here. Oh, I mean, he was well, soliciting minors. <laughs> oh, no. His character on you did come true. You said that as a joke. And I was joking. That's why yes. we were silent. Now, now, people are calling him a pedophile right now. He's not technically a pedophile. I guess there's some <sighs> other word that they're using for this. I think it's this. like he, it begins with an H. Which like It sounds vaguely anti-Semitic. Teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hebophile oh, it, uh, yeah, or something? Yeah, it's uh, Jews so go it's home like, is what it is. <laughs> so, so it's kind of like, uh, remember when James Franco... By the way, that, Jamie's Jewish, so yeah. I'm allowed to I'm make not. all the Jewish <laughs> jokes. Right? No! You can make Jew <laughs> no. jokes and Hawaiian Just because you have a Jewish friend and you, you can make Jewish jokes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I show up in whiteface today. <laughs> so uh, 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 it's kind of like when James Franco had that whole scandal with the seventeen-year-old girl. No, no, it's like over thirty girls who are under eighteen have come out, oh. and, and it's a pattern. And it's not just a pattern of underage women. Mm. Um, and, and by the way, we don't know if any of this is illegal yet, and it's all alleged. I want to put that out there. Right. But there's such a staggering amount of evidence, like yeah. with Bill Cosby. Right. That and it all came out uh, Tuesday night, last Tuesday. Oh, my God. And, and then other comic stuff started coming out, like uh, there was uh, allegations which look pretty uh, damning that uh, Jeff Ross had a relationship with a 15-year-old when he was like 33. 
Mystery, you know, the roast comic, the mm-hmm. roast mystery yeah, of Ross. Yeah. Um, they, they tried to cancel Joey Diaz over something he said, and he just doubled down and was like, you can't cancel me, and they called everyone cocksuckers. Well, yeah, um, it's funny you say that, but they can cancel him because he has advertisements, and advertisements course, pull away from his of show. Of course, of course. And, and, and Joey Diaz strikes me as someone who is, who is aggressively... Um, uh, uh, insecure, and yeah. it's a this 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 sort of macho machismo bravado yeah. of of you know fuck you like and it's yeah. like well no what he did was actually rape by the way I mean uh, I want to be really Who clear did? about that Joey Diaz what he did oh I didn't read about it I just it, 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 look it, at it, the clips look okay. at the clip the the clips of him talking about how he used to make women perform oral sex on him in order to to perform at the comedy store. Ugh. That is borderline rape. I mean, Ooh, to me, that wow. And, and by the way, he was telling it as a joke like ten years ago, and it's like you're joking about it, on Rogan's, and they were all laughing, and like, and then there are other comics who they're saying, you know, we're like sleeping with girls who are blackout drunk, and like, here's one of the things that I think is so horrible is there's been such a like hyperbolic conversation about cancel culture right it's like either like you're for free speech and against cancel culture or you're this like overly woke monster who wants to cancel you know somebody over like a a a post they made 20 years ago or whatever and with cases like this like when like women are actually rape or minors are being solicited by celebrities it's like it, it shouldn't be there shouldn't be sides it should be all of us coming together to like defend those women right yeah. or and to go after people who are actually creeps but as we've seen in the last like however many years there have been so many like weird stories where like a bad relationship is called sexual assault or emotional abuse and all the me too stuff where it's like we can't just like it was so wild because there were people jumping in on the delia thing everyone was just which, which let's be clear delia is accused of sexual misconduct yeah. um he's not there's he, nothing about sleeping with a minor yet, right? It was just like soliciting or no. Gr- there's, there's there's no there there's there's quite a few women who have, who have come out and said he he had sex with them yeah. while they were under a, a well sorry while they were under eighteen. However, it seemed to me, and this is, makes it even creepier, it seems to me, based on the the mountains of evidence at this point, that he actually knew the sort of age of consent laws, and he has a I think what one girl described as a daddy daughter fetish. Hmm. Four teenage girls, and like literally would pretend like he loved the the fact that they were in high school, according to these women. Mm-hmm. Um, so he still needs to get, I believe, in due process, and he needs to get his side of the story out there. And I don't know whether or not any of it was illegal, but that makes it even creepier in a way. If you, how can it not be illegal? Well, so because if you go to I would say the age of consent in Kentucky is fourteen, right? But well, the age is not illegal. Is it? But do, do you have to have the parents' consent in no. Kentucky. Oh, really? No. I, I don't know about Kentucky. I don't know. I, here's the thing. Right. I don't know. I don't. I, I thought with any state, if the age of consent was was younger than eighteen, it had to do with the parents' consent, not with the person. They would like marry you off consent. if you exchange them for like goats and farmland. Can and we talk? Like that. Can we talk about what the age of consent? <laughs> ah, the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> the age of consent is like, oh, you your boyfriend is a freshman in college and he's nineteen, and you are seventeen, mm-hmm. a senior in high school. Like you shouldn't gonna, get arrested. For I'm going to say something that's going to make me not sound good while defending the right thing. Have you ever tried to talk to a 19 year old recently? It's not fun. Like I can't Dude. like the idea because you hear, you know, people will joke about like, oh, I can't wait till she turns 18 and be all creepy and stuff like that. If I talk to a girl after a show and she's like 22. Right. I'm just like, we have 
nothing in common. Oh, yeah. And I, I cannot fake sure. my way when, through this when, conversation. When I started online dating, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going out with like 20 year olds and 21 year olds when I was like 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I went on two dates with like a 20 year old and then one on a 21 year old. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. No, it's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. They just want to like get drunk. And I'm like, I can't do it. And same with drunk girls. Like, I was, so many comics are like, uh, they're like, they're like worried now that all these accusations are coming out. And I was just like, uh, if you have to be worried that you were sleeping with right. like intoxicated girls or yeah. like 15 year olds, I'm like, that's on you, homie. I'm like, yeah. I'm sitting back with my fucking feet up. Like, mm-hmm. no way. Like there's no stories. hanging. But out yeah, there, I had that yeah. phase. Uh, I, I want to start writing about it on stage. Cause I had that phase where I was trying to date 20 year olds. And like the bit I'm thinking about is about how I grew up on, like our generation didn't grow up on porn. We had like, you know, we had to like sit through like red shoe diaries and like, real sex hoping it wasn't like a grandma orgy or whatever because that's like all we had or like hike through the woods for playboys yeah (laughs) and so uh so but 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 girls like 22 year old girls grew up on hardcore porn and i grew up on romantic comedy so that is like a different world so like one of the things i said is like i'll show up and be like i brought roses and she's like choke me and i'm like that's illegal like i don't know (laughs) when all that generation gap happened but yeah dude like it's super gross it's super upsetting i I also wonder Mm. well hold on there's something else here so so we we need to talk about some of this might be illegal oh right and some of it might just be immoral and and there is a distinction to make here right um and what i mean by immoral is if you're just being a, a dickhead if you're being a womanizer um then it might not be illegal to be a womanizer ryan has actually written about this on our website before there was a time in his mid-20s where he was a i think the words you use are on again off again alcoholic on again off again drug user and on again off again womanizer Mm. and like admitting like these are in in our new book by the way love people use things there's a whole thing in there about Mm. cheating (laughs) yeah yeah in, in a way which is like here's how you do it so you don't do it but like um uh, putting that out there as the, it's not virtuous it's not cool it's not and and so i, I want to be clear that just because something is not illegal something is technically legal in fact i think that was crystally is um and i'm i'm i was a fan of his comedy i thought his last comedy special sucked uh uh what was it called um Oh man! I uh, hope you're 18. <laughs> no, like the, the tweet I sent you last night was, uh, Crystalia announces all of his comedy shows via Amber Alert. Oh right! <laughs> oh, um, shout out to Adam Hunter. Yeah, is that who that was? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. he's a buddy of mine. Um, and so here, here's the thing: uh, just because something is legal doesn't mean it's the right thing for you to do. Right. And just because it's the right thing for someone else to do doesn't mean it's the appropriate thing for you to do. And also, here, here's something else. I, the strangest thing is that if Chris wasn't a total jerk, he probably wouldn't be in this situation right now. Right. So the 30 or 40 women who have come forward at this point, it shows a pattern of there are probably over a 1,000 mm-hmm. uh, the people he started to message like this because yeah. the pattern was he would get ready to go to your city and he would search people on Snapchat or Twitter or Facebook instant or messenger or what, whatever the thing was at the time. And this goes way back to 2011 even. And, and so there's this, this pattern of him interacting with young women. Some of them were of age. Some of them actually lied about their age and said they were 20 when they were 16. Mm-hmm. That's not his fault. Mm-hmm. But what you see here is some, you know, someone had just turned 16, had pictures and had 16 in their profile. And he's like, Hey, let's hang out and, and, uh, let's make out or, and he was just a total jerk. Come on over and you know, give me oral sex. And it's yeah. like, 
this 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 pattern of behavior not only is it wrong what he's doing but he's beha- behaving wrongly yeah. because he's womenizing means i'm taking the humanity out of another person yeah mm. i mean i just want to be clear where i think that i mean i agree with everything you're saying there's a difference between immoral and illegal and stuff like that like by the way this is all toxic behavior that's what we're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah 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 i mean like i also had phases where i was like sleeping around and i didn't think i was doing anything wrong and i was like you know i i i would say i can't have a relationship i'm just here for a night and kind of thought like my job is done now and then uh they would want more and i would get you know i mean it wasn't anything gross it certainly wasn't at this level but it was like oh, i wish i didn't do that you right. know like i didn't feel good about it mm. i was sleeping around because i was like insecure and i was sad right. um by the way however if, when if my- you want to if you want to have sex with someone that's consensual there, there's nothing oh, wrong with a hundred percent a hundred percent but i'm not being puritanical no here. no 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 no. i know but i think w- when minors are involved man uh that's when i'm just kind of like okay that's a problem this is a problem like Mm -hmm. when you think about what you were like when you were 16 or if you had a daughter or whatever like because the thing is too like i would love both of your guys opinion because we've talked in depth about the problems with cancel culture i think on air off air we talked about it on one of the patreon episodes and um it's it's interesting because i'm so used to people getting canceled for very stupid reasons (laughs) that the whole brigade of people trying to cancel them, it's disgusting. And in a weird way, and I, I, I'll probably, I'm not excited to admit this publicly, but I probably will. Um, it's, it was gross to see a bunch of people the second they went after Delia before the accusations were even out there, where I saw this one girl comic tweet, uh, you know, everyone was jumping on Twitter to make their Chris D'Elia jokes to be like, he was never funny, like, fuck this guy, blah, blah, blah. And this girl uh, wrote, wow, I've never seen so many unathletic comedians move so fast, which mm. I thought was just like, ooh, just the most beautiful line. Because it was everyone yeah. who was jealous of Chris's success or him being good looking or whatever. Mm. And so some of these tweets, some of the people going after him, not even about the minor stuff, just about him being a, b- a bad comedian or I'm so excited to watch him get canceled or whatever. That's why I'm doing this on Patreon nowhere else. Yeah, because I think that, like, so, it was so gross that I'm like, please don't make me feel bad for Chris mm. Like, because I, th- because this one, it's so bad what he was doing, but I'm still in a weird way disgusted with us as a society it's almost like they don't feel bad for the girl, the people trying to cancel them. Mm-hmm. They're just so excited to cancel someone. And I was like, mm-hmm. I just wish we could have a conversation to be like, wow, this is horrible. What can we do to support these like these girls or these women or whatever? And and of course, make sure that like this is all true because God, if it wasn't true, that would be horrible. Um, but yeah, it, it just when it, it becomes a game on Twitter. And I think that's obviously I don't think that's good for the victims either, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't know. Now, I feel I feel bad for Chris, and that, at first that sounds like, well, why would you feel bad for the the victimizer? Well, because I I have, I have compassion for other human beings, sure, and I could see that if I were in the exact same situation, oh, I'd be dead. I would kill um, myself. Well, like seriously, like I've almost been there before. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. here's the thing. I mean, you you joked during the minimal, like did did. Uh, would the Chris turn into his you character? And it was like, well, yeah. And by the way, that's the second time he played a 
a, char- a, a pedophile-ish character, right? Oh wow! And now, and now he's being dragged through the mud, and so I feel bad for him. But who do I really also feel bad for? I feel bad for the victims, the right. people who he. And, and there are different kinds of victims here. There are underage women who were taken advantage of. There were of age women who were um, treated poorly, mm-hmm. and I, I feel bad for anyone who is mistreated. But I also have some compassion for Chris because he needs help. And anyone who has a, a mental disorder, um, they need help. And so I feel bad. I felt bad for my father who was schizophrenic. That was a mental disorder, mm-hmm. and and he did some terrible things because of it. Mm-hmm. But I still f- felt a, a sort of compassion for him. When sure. You, yeah. When you say mental disorder, Ryan, me and you have talked about addiction a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think one of the things that I find interesting about this is Chris was sober. He's never drank before. Like he was oh, one really? of the only like comedy store comics who like didn't drink, didn't party, didn't whatever. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he sounded like he was giving alcohol to underage women as well. That, oh, that I, while sober. Out. Yeah, That's while sober. Yeah, super gross. Like bringing uh, yeah. high school girls over to his hotel room while on tour. And yeah, see, like according to these women. Yeah. Right, right, right. Of course. Um, wow. Do you think that? Do you think that like all of us, or maybe just people who get into comedy, but have a predilection for some kind of like? dopamine validation addiction because it's interesting to me because I can see the reason I'm not on dating apps is that there was a year in LA where I tried to do what I did this year where I was like I'm going to be single for a year but to me that wasn't like doing what I'm doing now getting up at five meditating going through nature you know psychedelics whatever it was scrolling on tinder all day and Mm. I'm like oh I'm actually spending more time thinking about dating and filling this sad hole in my heart by swiping every day by getting rejected and it becomes a game and that's the one thing i sound like an old man about where i'm like kids these days where dating apps really do the the quick ones the tinder you know i know you had a really good experience with i think okay cupid or whatever Mm -hmm. but like when you're just swiping and swiping and swiping it does make people feel like a commodity a bit and it makes it feel like a game and it makes them look like little avatars and whatever and so and you do get those dopamine hits once you get. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get off, but then a cute girl likes me, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna stay on. I'm, but not even just to talk to her. Oh, well, if she liked me, I'm gonna keep on flipping. And it's it, it another cute girl. Yeah, yeah, it becomes addicting. And so I do wonder, in a weird way, if that 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 place that wasn't filled with like, let's say, alcohol or even like performing, mm. you know, because performers oftentimes do uh, have drug problems and drinking problems because they get that huge high on stage, and then once they get back to the hotel room. It's gone. Like you're crashing. And so a lot of comics would then drink or a lot of comics would do something else. And I wonder if because he didn't have it, he just started scrolling, flipping, and that almost became the addiction. Like that was the come down. And again, I'm being an armchair psychologist. So like addiction does really fascinate me. And I'm like, oh, so do we all have that part of us that needs to fill it? And maybe it's in good ways. Maybe it's with exercise. Maybe it's with, you know, but it does. It sounds like very addictive, repetitive behavior that he was displaying. So I Mm. wonder if that does tie in a little bit. I I think it probably does. Uh, To answer your question about addiction, I think, yes, we all chase dopamine in one way or another, whether it's with food, whether it's with coffee whether it's with drugs whether it's with women whatever it is like done we, it with all those things <laughs> yeah we, we all seek dope i mean there's probably a monk somewhere sitting yeah, in a temple yeah but but there are exceptions the, right, exactly. but the general rule he's is, got a meth stash <laughs> under one of the like uh, buddha statues yeah right <laughs> Let, let's talk about objectification here because uh, you you mentioned that ryan met his wife on okay cupid and i think part of it had to do with intentions there wasn't the intention to objectify right, someone right 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 and by the way uh our friend matt diavella was the most 
most talented director I know met his wife on Tinder. So oh, that's awesome. Th- there is th- Bobby Lee met his girlfriend on Tinder. There you go. I, they're and, adorable. And mm. and, um, and and so what what you have right now is you need to identify. By the way, I, there's there's a time and place for objectification as well. I would call it consensual objectification. Yeah. My wife and I objectify each other mm-hmm. at a specific time, right? Sure. Uh, right. If we're if we're gonna have sex, we're probably going to be objectifying each other, sure. right? Uh, some of the best sex has to do with objectification. What Chris was doing, and what a lot of us do from time to time, is. Uh, non-consensual objectification sure, right yeah. and it, it's okay if you do that and you're in your own uh home and it's not negatively affecting someone else if you just want to get on tinder and swipe left and right and it's not hurting anyone i i don't have i don't see a problem with that mm-hmm. but if you're doing i mean you can just go to twitter and search crystalia you the the evidence is mounting or just google crystalia every newspaper has written about this now wow uh new york times vogue all these places have written about this and uh, the la times interviewed i think five of the the uh, alleged victims really and uh man it's uh it's a disturbing pattern it is and, and so um <laughs> I, I think that when we're when you see something like this you you mention jamie that mm. if this were to happen to you I, I don't think it would happen to you but no um and in fact uh someone tweeted uh if chris D'Elia was anthony jesselnick uh he, he none of this would be happening right now and he just retweeted because I haven't committed sexual misconduct. <laughs> right. Um, Jeselnik is so funny. Yeah. yeah. And and by the way, he's able to joke about you know, everything from you know, uh, killing children to you know, Holocaust or whatever. And by the way, he's yeah. actually a really progressive, wonderful human being. He like right. always takes like women out on the road with him. He has like, and everyone speaks super highly of him. He's like very confident, but also very like progressive given his like act people don't understand that he's playing a a character well not only that but even if you look at his jokes it's like he's not a necessarily attacking like marginalized groups No, he's an absurdist he's an absurdist yeah apparently he has this incredible trans joke that i've heard him interviewed about where it's not going after trans people because he's like every comic at the comedy store right now the big thing to do is to make fun of trans people so i think he kind of flipped it and went the opposite direction which i think is incredible and like Mm -hmm. super fascinating and again like very like forward thinking Mm -hmm. um while being such a dark offensive comic that if you just glanced at him people would assume oh he's this monster we should cancel him how can how dare he say that and it's like well if you actually dig a little deeper you know he's actually pretty dope uh whereas like bill cosby was lecturing people about not using bad language and telling black people to pull their pants up and that's why there's crime in the ghettos and then he was you know uh drugging and raping women yeah one thing i want to add to this is that if you need a law to tell you to not be an asshole you're a bad person mm. if you're doing something yes. and you're saying well technically it's not illegal yeah. you're a jerk yeah look you- at yourself in the mirror <laughs> well, this yeah. gets back to your values. If you need to go to like Kentucky.gov to find right. out if you should be sleeping with the girl who hits you up on Snapchat. Oh like, eh, maybe don't do it. Yeah. 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 So now, Jamie, if you were in the situation, you said, well, I'd probably kill myself. In but, a heartbeat. But on, on Twitter recently, you said last, this is a direct quote from you. Yeah. Last week I was suicidey. Yeah. I waited. I like that word. Uh, I, yeah. I did suicide and then like a little hyphen mm. and then why? Yeah. yeah. Last week I was suicidey. I, I waited. I just had maybe one of the most fun shows of my life. I assume comedy shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand up shows. Yeah, yeah. Back in back in stand up. Uh, where was that? 
Uh, it was at Laughs in Tucson. Okay. Um, oh, by the way, if this does go up before July 1st, I will be in Minneapolis at the House of Comedy July 1st through 6th. I don't think it will. But, Word. Um, well, just so you know, I was there in your city. Listen to my podcast, and you'll find out when I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and you said you went on tweet to say, tomorrow I drive to make videos with one of my favorite jujitsu fighters. Then mm-hmm. I go to L.A. to be on two of my favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm. Just And this one. <laughs> zing 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 <laughs> just push through is, is how you ended that there yeah you actually reminded me of a dave Chappelle joke here okay because when uh he was going through all the difficult times when he left comedy central yep, and, yep, yep. and he went to africa and like he was unhappy and he was like people told him to uh just keep your chin up he's like really that's my problem my chin isn't high enough <laughs> and he goes i don't think that like if i just walked around with my chin a little bit higher that's gonna solve my problems <laughs> and now and so I say that to say this, Jamie, that uh, just push through, I think, is is helpful, but we need push something to push toward. Yeah. So, you know, I wrote that uh, a bunch of things. So I wrote that and the, the the amount of people on Instagram who hit me up and were like, yo, I needed that today was great. Mm. Uh, but then there was like one or two people that are like, you need therapy. Don't just say just to push through. And like. For that person, I was just like, well, you're not repping your cause good because that is not how you talk to someone who is suicidal. Right, like, right. You know, talk to a stranger on the internet. Like, you need therapy. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with what you say. When I say just push through, I, I, I don't mean like tough enough. Like, I, like I'm, not, I'm not being like the dad who doesn't know how to deal with emotions. Mm-hmm. What I mean is like when I used to be consistently depressed um, and suicidal, I would identify as that. Right. And especially with Twitter, you kind of, uh, you know, you get to be I was just like I was the depressed guy. And whenever I would tweet about being a fuck up, that would get like a bunch of likes and retweets. And, you know, whenever I posted like ate a healthy salad, you know, and everyone's like, boo. Um, (laughs) And so I kind of like fell into this identity is like, oh, I'm the sad guy. I'm the screw up. And and that also sets the bar lower for like, oh, I didn't call my mom because like that's what a screw up does. That's what I do. Yeah, Yeah. Or whatever. And ever since really focusing on meditation, focusing on like uh, ingesting more positive uh, content, like I was talking about on the regular episode, um, I just, I don't want to be that. My bar right now is good. Pretty much every day I wake up and feel great. Mm. Um, And so when this happens, when I do feel that suicidal feeling, when I do feel depressed, Instead of just being like, oh my God, I'm stuck. Like this is me forever. So like a lot of people have probably even listened to this show and they hear the advice where they go, okay, this is what I have to do to make my life better. And the second it doesn't work for the first time, they go, oh, well, I guess I'm depressed, right? Or Mm -hmm. like, I guess I'm just like not gonna do it. I did that. The first time I read about like positive thinking, and I couldn't do it. I was literally walking around my my place being like, just think positive, you fucking piece of shit. Like I was, <laughs> it was so insane. And I think people go through that a lot. Um, but now what I love about meditation, so there's this woman, I don't know if you've had her on the show called Emily Fletcher. No. Um, and her big thing is she, I think she's a New York Times bestseller now. Um, she wrote a book about meditation and she teaches it to like CEOs and actors and like high performers. Um, and she goes, you're not meditating to be a good meditator. And I think that's why a lot of people quit. She goes, you're meditating to be better at life. And mm-hmm. so I'm not a good meditator. My head goes all over the place. I have ADD, I'm a comedian, I'm, you know, whatever. But what it does allow me to do is before I have that like visceral emotional response of like, oh, I'm gonna kill myself, I get to go, 
I got to look at me from like an outside perspective and be like, what's going on? Like, did something trigger this? And then I go, oh, I know exactly what triggered it. And for me, it was like I was getting more involved in like politics than usual. And that was bringing back all of these old memories. And that was bringing back all of these relationships I lost. And I felt very like alone and isolated. And I was trying to do the right thing. And, you know, all this stuff that just tied to me. But then I could go, oh, you're not feeling like suicide or depressed because that's who you are as a human being you're feeling it because these things are reminding you of when you tried to kill yourself and so those emotions are coming back so Mm. then i can go all right well what can i do to just get through this day instead of i'm going to sulk in this sad pile of shit because that's who i am and that's what i deserve i want to feel better because my constant now is good So I go, all right, well, I can't work out. I'm like too messed up for that. I'm like, I can take a walk. And then I go take a walk. And then I like listen to music. And then I see a rabbit. And then that makes me feel better. And then I go, you know what? Maybe I can work out. And then I work out. But maybe I give myself permission to have a shitty workout. But I just Mm -hmm. go. And then just going makes me feel like, all right, I feel a little better now. And and then I go home. And I'm like, all right, well, I could smoke weed and watch Netflix. And I'm like, should a depressed person do that? No. Let me eat healthy. And then I eat healthy. And then I feel a little better. And then I'm proud of myself. And I'm like, oh, I'm not old me. I'm not derailing. Mm -hmm. And I go, you know what? I'm going to go to sleep early but I'm going to set my alarm for five and at five tomorrow's a new day. Do that. Uh, end up doing stand up for the first time since quarantine murdered it. And then, yeah, all this stuff happened. Then I had this trip. So it's not like, it's not just blindly pushed through or your emotions don't matter. No, no, no. It's, it's, let me, let me just clarify. I think it's pushed towards something. And so if I were to play arm armchair psychiatrist here, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, you're, you're touching on some things. I just want to tweeze out the important things of what you're already touching on. Please, please, please. Uh, one is you're talking about responsibilities. And I think it's easy for someone like you who doesn't have definitive responsibilities because they're not thrust upon you. You don't have a kid. Right. Right? You don't have... Well, uh, Jordan and I have our secret family. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you don't have a, a kid that you're, you know, you're forced to, to take care of. And so you don't have that responsibility. Currently, you're not in a relationship. I want to talk about your most recent breakup. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some, some stuff to talk about there because sure. I don't know that that's letting go of a toxic relationship. No, it wasn't it, at it's, all. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, identifying incompatibilities that could lead to toxicity in the future. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And, and so we're going to talk about that. But I think what you're, you're talking about here is when you get depressed, it's because you don't have responsibilities to lean on. And then all of a sudden you get a responsibility like I've got a stand-up show. I've got to travel to do a podcast. I'm going to go on tour. I'm going to do this. I'm going to write a book or whatever it's going to be. When, when it becomes a re- responsibility, not that I... I'm going to do someday, but I need to do this now. Well, no, sometimes with me, that, that, that was a very responsible, that's what a normal person would do. Uh, uh, no, with me sometimes when I actually get really depressed or suicidal, all that stuff, even if it's good, mm-hmm. makes me worse. Like I actually mm. feel more anxiety and I would have not done the stand-up shows. Mm. Now it's actually my self-care stuff where I'm like, I have every day I need to create something. I need to do some sort of mindfulness practice and some sort of like physical activity. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that if I feel myself floundering and drowning, yeah. I just go, I have to go do one of these things. Yeah. Um, but, but old me would have just been like, I'm depressed. And then the thought of comedy and I would have been like, I'm not even a real comic. I'm going to bomb tonight. And I, I legitimately would have canceled. Yeah. Um, I don't 
don't right, know. But, but that again, you're actually, you, you're fueling my point. Okay. That's not a real responsibility for you then. Oh, mm. right, 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 right. Whereas for sure. if, it, if it becomes a responsibility where like, I, I just talked about turning in the third draft of love people use things. Like to me, some of the most meaningful work I, I get to do is when I sit down at a computer by myself and write this thing, but it's, knowing it's not just for me though. Right. It's contributing right, right, to the right. greater good. Yeah. Your standup contributes to the greater good. Mm. Your podcast contributes to the greater good. Yeah, for sure. These are having a kid raising a kid contributes mm -hmm. to the greater good i think the key is finding the thing we talked about this briefly in the minimal but let me expand on it here finding the thing that is difficult enough like stand up mm -hmm. that you're willing to put in the focused work to do it you're cultivating it as a passion but it's not so hard like for me if i were to get up on stage and do stand up right now it'd be nearly impossible because i've never sure. done stand up right, right, right. i can get up and talk in front of fifteen thousand people yep for an hour but if you had me tell jokes for five minutes, I'd bomb. Yeah, and and so it, that'd be so difficult for me. And so it's finding the the thing that is difficult enough that you're willing to do it, and it also contributes to the greater good. Mm -hmm. I that's not the that's not the silver uh, bullet, the magic pill, whatever you want to metaphor you want to use here to cure depression. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a way to just push through. Yeah. yeah. I, when I hear you say just push through, what I hear is you deciding to fight. Yes, 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 yes. And, and the fighting is uh, instead of wallowing in depression, mm -hmm. you think to yourself, I should go to the gym. Yeah. And then not, you have this internal fight that you were willing to do to push through to get to the gym. And by the way, that specifically was the thing that pulled me out this. I sat on the couch, mm. almost a 38-year-old man in stupid little gym shorts, almost in tears. And I knew, and the two options were jerk off and go to sleep in the middle of the afternoon mm -hmm. or go kickbox. Mm -hmm. And it, I felt like I had to like grab myself by the shirt and pull me down to the floor mm -hmm. and Marine crawl to the door to get out. Mm -hmm. And I just kept telling myself like, how will you feel if you wake up? Like, or how will you feel if you go to the gym? Mm. And then I, I gave my, you know how they say, uh, if you want to be a writer, like give yourself permission just to write bad pages. Mm -hmm. yes. I did that with the gym. I was like, because I, 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 again, old me would have been like, oh, but what if I do bad? Or what if I can't do this? Mm -hmm. Or what if then I'm going to feel even shittier about myself or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to give myself permission to half-ass it. Yeah, I'm like I, I don't need half, to be the best in the class. Half ass is still gonna make you feel better yeah. than no yep. ass. Yep. Half ass workout is better than no yeah. workout. Yeah, and then yeah. like I went step at a time where I was like I'm just gonna go put on gym clothes. Like, but before I put on the gym clothes, but I, even putting on the gym clothes is a fight, dude. That yes, and I said I'm gonna go put on gym clothes, but I had to tell myself that doesn't mean I'm gonna go. Like mm. all of this was going on in my head, yeah. and the second I did that one healthy thing, an hour long kickboxing class, mm. um. I like left the gym and almost started crying because yeah. I was just like, I did it. That's amazing. I, I'm man. out of the woods. Yeah. And then that, and but then you have to just do what's the next healthy thing I can do. Right. What's the next positive thing I can do? What's the next yeah. positive thing I can watch? What's the next inspirational thing I can listen to? Yeah. And then, I mean, it was like fucking magic. It was yeah. crazy. And then mm -hmm. I ended up, yeah, getting to do this, having this wonderful road trip, seeing you guys. Like that Saturday Late Show I did, like Stone Cold Sober was one of the mm -hmm. best shows I've ever done in my life. Like 30 minutes of new material, like crowd work, screaming applause breaks, talking about like everything that's going on with COVID and Black Lives Matter, like things you're not supposed to do on stage. Mm. Um, and it was because I just felt this like re-energized whatever. But a lot of times I think people listening, they get depressed and so they go, I am a depressed person mm -hmm. or I am. And look, and some, they give some, up. yeah, some yeah. people are, but don't use that title 
to yeah as an excuse to not because they go i'm a depressed person therefore mm -hmm. i'm just gonna drink or i'm just gonna eat yeah. shitty or i'm just gonna whatever and it's like no no no. you are a wonderful person who is currently dealing with depression how do we get out of it yeah you you've got to i feel like you have to make that decision to fight and then you can figure out what are you fighting for and 100%. it's and it's a and it's these little steps like going to the gym like that that was your first battle and, Dude, and having insane. something to fight for makes the decision to fight a little bit easier so finding yeah. that thing because mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be absolutely it doesn't have to be the perfect uh, i need the perfect thing to fight for no mm -hmm. it's like what is my current responsibility is so, going to serve someone's the fight good? might be just to get out of bed and get dressed for the day right or to right. get out of bed i've been that depressed where i'm like i'm not gonna take a shower today i'm like uh, yeah that's just gonna worsen my depression yeah. i'm gonna go ahead and like at least get ready for yeah because all the things that you think are gonna make you feel better drinking staying in bed they just make you feel so much worse yes. and it's your brain just being like just stay in bed i mean if i sleep late I'm just like, I'm garbage. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, you wouldn't think I'm depressed. Therefore, I'm to get up at five in the morning, go to the gym. Like that sounds so counterintuitive. Oftentimes we use that sadness and depression as an excuse to uh, act out and do mm. all the, I'm just going to look at porn. I'm just going to like drink. I'm going to whatever, because that's what a depressed person does. But it's just us using an excuse, uh, using the excuse of depression to like act like a child. Let, right. Let's talk about two other things with respect to depression. You already touched on one diet, I think is really important, uh, especially with, with, with respect to clinical depression. So um, there are some trials now with, with a keto diet, or you could even say that, you know, like our friend, Dr. Paul Saladino, a carnivore diet, but any intentional diet tends to improve one's overall mood. So it could be a plant-based or vegan diet. We just yeah. had a rich role on the podcast a few weeks ago. He's been on the I podcast a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a great guy. Um, we've had, Saladino on once or twice and and um, I find that there's a lot of evidence that that is now mounting that if you remove processed foods and for some people if you remove plants because uh, you might have uh, just this really strange gut dysbiosis that you have a negative reaction to plants that most people thrive on mm -hmm. and so there it's some it takes some experimentation with respect to your diet and I would encourage either one of those go check out Paul Saladino's podcast, um, it's called mm. Fu Fundamental Health or Rich Roll's podcast, the Rich Roll podcast. Mm. And, and both of those will be ways to be more intentional with your diet. Yeah, you know what was interesting for me? So this trip in LA, I actually ate meat for the first time since January um, because as I'm rediscovering my sort of like Hawaiian roots and my mom's history and stuff like that, um, I've made a really good like Hawaiian comedian friend out here and he cooked up like all the stuff we ate as kids. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I went from like vegan to like eating like spam and eggs and Kahlua pork and like all these like Hawaiian staples. Yeah. Um, but for me, when I went vegan again, it was interesting where I think I'm going to, you know, when I travel, um, eat a little meat, I'm still going to try to ear on the vegetarian pescatarian side when I'm at home. Um, but for me, it actually really helped my depression because I felt like I had a purpose. Mm. So it wasn't even like a physical thing. Um, you know, if I started feeling like garbage being vegan, I would stop, mm. but it made me be like, Oh, every day I get to like help animals and mm. it just made me feel a little more compassionate. Um, 
taking the physical part of it out. But right. I think you're right when you do intentions. And I think the most important thing, you hit it, whether you're carnivore or vegan, mm-hmm. taking that processed garbage out, trying to limit sugar. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, but, that's but, the key. And, and well, it's it's part of the key. And also, so Harvard's doing some studies right now on a ketogenic diet, which a, a carnivore diet tends to be ketogenic unless you have too much protein. Uh, there, there's a process uh, that protein does convert into to glucose called gluconeogenesis, but that's for a different discussion here. Um, but if you're on a... Uh, a keto diet and you suffer from uh, bipolar depression. So this is really fascinating. Uh, Saladino had the researcher on his podcast from, from Harvard to talk about this. They have cured 100% of the people who stick to the diet. hundred. Now, you can't technically say they're cured because if they go off the diet, the bipolar and even the schizophrenia, they've had people who've been schizophrenic. So here's a weird thing about schizophrenia. Uh, and bipolar, it we we used to have this model where we thought it was sort of like rust on a car. Your brain rusts over time, and and a person who's schizophrenic when they're 16 becomes more and more and more delusional and schizophrenic and depressed uh, uh, if they're bipolar. But by the time they're 30, and then even more so when they're 50, the brain continues to quote rust. Right? Well, that's proven to be not true. Mm-hmm. A- a- by putting someone on a a, a strict keto diet where you stay in ketosis Mm. for long periods of time. By the way, I'm not saying this is appropriate for everyone. I'm saying if you suffer from depression, this may be a way to mitigate the depression. It, they actually effectively cure the depression. There was a woman who had been uh, bipolar and schizophrenic since she was 15 or 16 years old. She was 70 and just couldn't function. She was living in a home where they had to take care of her and she constantly went into fits of rage and, and, and sadness and mania. And they got her to stick to by, by actually administer, administering the food they gave her. Uh, they've got, they've got her to stick to it. And they, they, this is the first time in her adult life that she hasn't been depressed or schizophrenic by being on a a ketogenic diet. So I, I say that to say that it may be possible, much more research out there, but it may be possible that the food you're putting into your body is directly responsible for your depression. And also the opposite of that is true. The food you put in your body may be the cure. And so uh, actually let's put a link to that episode in the show notes, Sean. Uh, I'd appreciate that. And then finally, Bex and I just did a podcast with Adam Lamb last week. Uh, He is a hormone specialist. And we're finding now that most of us in the modern world, our hormones are really out of balance. There are a few reasons for that. Uh, one is we take in so many chemicals, whether it's through our lotions and shampoos and soaps and, and, and paints and everything that we breathe in and the car exhaust. And, and so the amount of hand, san- hand sanitizer I've been like lathering on myself in the last couple of weeks, <laughs> I am waiting for the article to come out to be like, oh, you're going to have cancer now well, or like not, something it, terrible. It's not just really. cancer, but that ruins your, gut, not your gut microbiome, but your skin microbiome. So there's a microbiome on your skin. And um, it's the reason we get warts and other things on our hands. Yeah. Is they, they start to, we start to disrupt that microbiome with hand sanitizer antibacterial soaps they're not necessarily good for us and and so um what we're finding now is that we're putting chemicals into our body we're also under great amounts of stress that are not natural in in our natural environment that spiked cortisol totally throws off all of our hormones Mm -hmm. we get very little sunlight for two reasons one is we're in north america and most places in north america are cloudy a lot of the time and and, and two 
much more important, we spend 93% of our time indoors as Americans. Mm. So we're not getting vitamin D, which is a hormone. Mm -hmm. and, and because vitamin D is a hormone, it affects all of our other hormones as well. And so I would encourage you, go back and listen to that episode. And Jamie, I'll put you in contact with Adam yeah. because get a hormone test, an up-to-date hormone test, because I got one. So did Bex. And we were... Like Bex is so healthy, fit, spends time outside, perfect, uh, mostly plant-based diet, uh, but eats you know healthy meats and and and, but then she realized like oh she was on birth control in her twenties, it and her hormones have been thrown off because it was oral or oral birth control that has thrown off all her other hormones so her Whoa. testosterone was through the floor and you, when you think of women you don't think of testosterone so it was taking a a, a, a micro dose of testosterone for just a short period of time has kick-started her testosterone uh, and it's changed her mood Whoa. it changed her seasonal defective disorder well, i think one of the reasons that i've been really minus that one day which i can again pinpoint why when i like felt the like suicide depression stuff come on again my quarantine, like, I've thrived. Like, it's the best art I've ever made. It's the healthiest I've ever been. Wow. It, it's the most present I've ever been. It's the best friend I've been to my friends. I'm talking to my mom more than ever. Like, just mm -hmm. everything. The meditation, the reading, blah, blah, blah. Um, and because I can go to jujitsu, I don't like running. But I was like, all right, well, they say vitamin D is good for COVID stuff. So... I was like, how can I make myself run? I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna be a guy who takes his shirt off and runs because I've never done that before. And so every day I would run and I would listen to like a podcast. So I'm knocking out three things in one I'm because mm. I don't want to run. But if I go, all right, well, I'm exercising, I'm getting out in the sun and I'm listening to a podcast. I'm like, that's like a three for that's good. Yeah. Um, being out in the sun for an hour a day, mm -hmm. Game changer. I, I'm Absolutely. sure that is tying into. Mm. I also want to talk to Bex too because I'm always such a person of extremes where I'm like, I either have to be a hardcore vegan or like a hardcore keto. Um, and I think what I would like to do, it sounds like what she's doing with yeah. her diet, where I'm like, I'd like to be mainly plant based. And then when there is opportunity to eat like healthy meat, yeah, grass fed. Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. yeah. And not suddenly like, oh, I ate a little meat today or in LA because I was like, with my Hawaiian homie, that means I'm gonna get McDonald's on the way home. I think that's like the way my old brain worked. And I'm yeah. like, now I have to eat all the meat. And I'm like, I would like to yeah. maintain kind of, it sounds like what you're sure. Yeah. So uh, I think, I think get your hormones tested and, yeah. and, and then make tweaks if necessary. And, and there are a lot of natural tweaks where you don't have to like, well, yep, just get on testosterone or whatever. No, like, like if it makes sense, then great. But it may, may be that your DHEA is low, and if you can fix that just by taking it's so uh, interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just tweak your hormones enough that that the depressed person all of a sudden realizes, like, oh, that wasn't me. That was just a hormone imbalance. You were missing a little thing. Yeah, yeah. I, because I've screwed... It's not that your hormones are naturally bad. We've screwed them up. You yeah. spent 38 years beating the shit out of your hormones right. because of the environment that we're in. Yeah, well, diet and hormones... I mean, there was a day where I literally thought I either had COVID or, like clinical depression because I was it was a couple days where I was just falling asleep like eight like eight naps a day and I'm like this is and I, I didn't feel depressed like my life was like there was stuff I wanted to do and suddenly my body would just like I because mm. I, I used to I take this thing I call it panic naps like sometimes I'll literally be in a fight <laughs> with a girlfriend and I just feel my body fading which oh, is wow. just me being like let's get out of here um and so wow. I thought that's what was happening and and I, I was being like hardcore vegan um and then I was like, what if I'm not getting enough iron? And the next two days, I just threw spinach in my smoothies. Mm -hmm. 
another person just mm. completely energized like so much of it has to do with diet and back to what ryan was saying not not a bunch of iron and spinach that's a misnomer is it yeah oh well then maybe what did help me maybe i just placebo uh, but anyway what yeah. were you gonna oh yeah continue, continue well what, what i was saying. gonna say is like our again what we were talking about before is our interest in uh or or or, or our, our temptation to i am depressed therefore i'm gonna eat shitty mm-hmm. or i'm gonna drink which is like a literal depressant mm-hmm. um it's just going to make everything so much worse. And then you get to continue the narrative of, see, I'm really depressed. Right. As opposed to, I went to, even though I was wrong, apparently, I went to kind of like, I don't like this. How there can I vitamins How can I fix it? Yeah. You know? And I just tried to eat. I mean, maybe it was just that I was eating healthier, where it, I was just be, like yeah. jacking up yeah. like uh, smoothies and it is stuff. So the body is like, the body and brain is so lazy. Like, we want to do the I easiest know, thing possible, which creates the worst possible situation yes. for our bodies, which makes us want to do the worst thing possible for our bodies. And the cycle the continues. Cycle. Like, yeah. why doesn't our brain be like, you know what, dude? No, we're going to go exercise because that's what we need right now. Right. right. Well, actually, so there's a fascinating theory behind this. There, there's, we have been, you know, through several hundred thousand years of human evolution, we're actually evolved for impulse. Our impulses are, and they, we think of them as bad things because it's like, I'll buy the candy bar at the, mm-hmm. at the checkout line. But really, our impulses are what made us survive for hundreds of thousands of it's years. Like we got to right? get out of here. Yeah, I need like, to get well, the, the the I need to get a Snickers bar at the checkout line is really like I need some calories in order to live. Right, and those are the easiest calories to burn. And so I see right. this thing right there. I need to take it before. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. It totally and so makes sense. We, we've we as humans have capitalized we've commodified our impulses. These things that were the things that kept us alive. The flinch response was oh my gosh uh, a bear or a tiger is going to chase me right i need to i need to run and now it's like oh my 401k account has dipped because of the pandemic and i'm still flinching it's like right. well that's not healthy yeah. that's yeah. your poor- my to- my toxic ex hit me up i need to reproduce like and yeah. so you just go for it right yeah. right and so um speaking of exes you, you moved like to tucson i did how about a year ago uh, yeah, like a year, probably like this week, a okay. year. It's been exactly a year. Nice. Okay. And you moved there with uh, producer producer girlfriend, Emma. Producer now, ex-producer, ex-girlfriend, Emma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I remember you getting into this relationship very, very quickly. And <laughs> I, while I didn't try to talk you out of it, I tried to slow you down. There were some knowing nods that you, you like, you, there, there was a lot of you going, Mm-hmm. Like when I was trying to justify it, where I'm like, I know, I know what you're thinking. Right <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, I you, was rooting for you, just so you know. Oh, you guys were both it, technically it, rooting, yes. yeah, totally. for sure. And and it's just that you got into it really quickly, yeah. and then you two, out of almost seemingly nowhere, decided to move to Tucson. I say out of nowhere because I don't think either one of you had ever been. To we Tucson. had never been to Tucson. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Well, I, I mean, looking back on it, it was the best thing that's ever happened. I think that both of us needed to get out of LA. And I think that, I mean, the reason I got into the relationship so fast with her is because, and this is not good. Um, I was so sick of dating apps and the type mm. of people I was meeting on dating apps where I was meeting a lot of like, I was on that dumb, the celebrity one, the mm. Raya one mm. where like literally I had people like pitching me scripts on like, they thought I was more famous than I was. Mm. And so it was just like dating like Instagram influencers and like that shouldn't be a job. Like it was just <laughs> awful. And uh, Emma was not really, even, she wasn't my type. Like even like physically really my type. She was like a little, she was very like, just like regular sweet day job from a conservative family in Mm. Texas. But that's what I wanted so bad. 
I just wanted normalcy. Mm. And she was so normal. And she just seemed like she wasn't like an LA person. And she was so kind. And I've been in relationships with a lot of like uh, women who were like pretty mean. And so just the idea of someone just being like sweet was I was like, I'm in, you know, like yeah. my ex, my longest ex told me I would be a bad dad because she didn't want to have kids. Mm. Uh, instead of saying, hey, I don't want to have kids. Can, is that a conversation we have? She's like, well, you wouldn't be a good dad. Wow. And so I just thought I like, wouldn't be a good dad. And so there was a year where I started to teach jujitsu and I started teaching all these kids jujitsu and the parents would always come up to me and they'd be like, hey, when are you going to have kids? Like, you, my kid loves you, What? blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, I was like, I would be a great dad. And yeah. I like, suddenly realized that. And so Emma... Uh, it was the opposite. She was like, you'd be an amazing dad. And I was just like, well, we have to move to Tucson. You know what I mean? Like, I was just, it, it was just, sold. Yeah. And so um, I also think with me, sometimes I attract women and I play into this It's my fault. You know, the kind of sexist uh, movie trope where they say uh, it's called manic pixie dream girl where mm-hmm. they go, you know, there's this like girl who's like, I play the ukulele and she teaches like the business guy to like learn life. But the, the, mm-hmm. the sexism comes where it's like, she's not really her own person. She's just there to facilitate this man's journey i'm the boy version of that i'm like a manic pixie dream where like i'm just like you should quit your job if you're not happy and like let's just make art together and like live on the road and like Mm. i think some uh, women think they want that and i want that for both of us like if you're not happy in your job let me help you get out of it like yeah let's make art it's not like it's an act like i do want that but uh then people realize like maybe that's not what they wanted yeah and then i go you know and my problem used to be like i would want to like change them and be like, no, this is, of course this is what you want. Why would you? And like, yeah, she may have been happy at like her like boring nine to five. But to me, that just seems like it's boring to you. Torture. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so this, this is the this is the projecting your own beliefs and desires and interests. Onto it's someone exactly else. I, well, I was thinking about me and Emma when we were talking about that on the other show. And so we it was one of those things where we cared about each other so much and we were both being trying to be so kind to the other person. Right. Um, that we just kind of, when it wasn't working, we blamed LA. And we were just like, well, let's get out of LA. And this is a funny thing that happens a lot is we we think a change in geography is going to fix our problems. And by the way, it, it's not just geography. I've seen it happen. Uh, it, we're on Patreon, so I could talk about this. My my wife, you know, when she had Ella, like she realized she wanted out of her marriage with Ella's biological father mm-hmm. the day Ella was born. Oh. Like, imagine that realization. Oh, right? boy. One two punch there. You have you you have this baby, and then all of a sudden you realize like, oh, I I thought this was going to fix our marriage, and in a way it did. It fixed it by allowing her to let go of what was a toxic relationship. Yeah. What do you want to name her? Divorce. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, how many people have kids to save a marriage? Dude, yeah. I adopted my cat to save a relationship. Mm. I opened. <laughs> So my cat's name, who I'm going to try to talk about this without crying. My cat's name, my, yeah, my rest in power, Talib Kitty. My cat's name was Talib Kitty. I opened for Talib Kweli uh, in Orange County at this theater. And it was like the biggest show of my life. He's my favorite rapper of all time. He was like, come down, open for me. So I brought the jealous girlfriend that I was talking about on the other show. She got jealous that I was talking to Talib Kweli too much. He's telling me Jay-Z stories, all this stuff. I'm like motioning her to come over. She's furious. So this is the first show I ever brought her too because wow. again she's jealous over she told me she told me it's my fault yeah uh, we go back to the hotel she starts screaming at me so loud that i'm like people are gonna call the police i sleep in the hallway instead of being like i have to get out of this relationship we're driving silently back to los angeles and i just go talib kitty would be a funny name for a cat 
And she goes, yeah. And I go, let's go adopt a cat. <laughs> we went to a kill shelter. She didn't even want him. She was like, he's just sleeping. He's not doing anything. So I, so she wants to leave. So we leave. Uh, I keep thinking about this poor cat that's going to be put to sleep. I drive back cinematically in the rain to adopt Talib Kitty like by myself. And mm. so he was just like my dude. Um, and so anyway, so yeah, but even with cats, I was like, we'll be a cat family now. Mm. And now all of our jokes are about Talib and we tell little Talib stories. And so that's going to get us through or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, but what it, the, the reason that I stand by this solution so much and, you know, look, I've become like way more spiritual since uh, uh, ye old psychedelics have come into my life. But also, I think just being out in nature, I've only lived in L.A. and New York. And so I've never lived in the mountains. I've never walked around barefoot. I've never, you know, which ties into a lot of my Hawaiian stuff that I'm like rediscovering at 38. And um, I do think that both me and Emma needed to get out of LA because Mm. before we met and the reason we both jumped in so fast is we were miserable. She was so miserable. And like, just like seeing these like scumbag guys on Tinder, I was seeing these like terrible women and like, we were just miserable. And we both for a year loved and supported each other unconditionally even when it didn't work and then we went to tucson and we just kind of figured out things that we weren't right for each other Mm. um but i had a moment this year where i mean dude we broke up in january and i went from a maxed out credit card a lost cat and a breakup to however many months it's been like i have paid off all of my debt i like just bought like a car like i have just killed it like there is something about tucson but old me would have been like oh so now i have to move back to la because i would always move too fast when i had a little bit of success in brooklyn i bought a place i couldn't afford when i you know what i mean Mm. and so now that instinct to be like i'm gonna move to because i texted both of you i'm like i'm either gonna move to la or san diego Mm. i was like why don't i stay in the place that caused all this good stuff for like another year yeah Yeah, it's a good idea to me that you you graduated from this relationship with Emma before you got divorced in a way. Yeah. And I, I like to make that distinction. I think it's a Rob Bell distinction initially, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, it, there I've, I've done both, right? I've, I've stayed in something too long and, to where it becomes toxic. That's and my that, MO usually. And, yeah. and, and that toxicity leads to a, a divorce, right? Uh, and, and the opposite is, you know what? This was really great. We've realized that for whatever reason, it's not going to, be what it was. The past does not equal the future. Let's move forward, but our paths bifurcate at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your p- path bifurcated from you know, this, the high school you graduated from in New Jersey or wherever you uh, were. Not to brag, but dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a third option. Humble yeah, yeah. brag, yeah. Junior, right. junior year, baby. Yeah. Uh, so um, it sounds like a heck of a strained relationship. There it is. <laughs> I knew it. He knew it. He knew it was coming. There's Speaking one- of strained relationships, <laughs> there's one thing that I purchased this year that I shouldn't have purchased. And there's some metaphor here. Maybe you two can help me uh, get it out of this. I bought this strainer. The strainer was straining your relationship. No, it wasn't. But I, I'm I, refusing. I mean, to with take yourself, not with your partner. <laughs> I, I needed, I needed to, uh, I needed to squeeze lemons and get the seeds out because I kept getting seeds in the guacamole that I make every day, and so I'm like, I just need, I know, I want something that will take care of that. So I got onto Amazon and I bought this. It's a very good, high quality yeah, strainer. 
and I think it was like eight ninety nine. Great. And I get it home, and then I go to put it in the drawer, and I realize we already have one. Perfect. Oh no! And like, there's something here about. But we often search for things that we already have. Yeah. Mm. That's a good metaphor. Oh, all right. It was that. worth that. <laughs> it was worth a dumb word play. I'm more concerned about how you put lemon in your guac instead of lime. Oh, no way. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm concerned. This will change your life, Ryan. <laughs> I've tried lemon and guac. I no, can't stand it. You haven't tried my guac. Wait. <laughs> yeah, I was actually thrown that you make guac every day. Every day. That's yeah. insane. I've never heard that. Every day, twice I mean, a day. I get it. What, what do you do? Well, what, what do you uh, put it on? What do I put it on? Yeah, like if you're eating it every day, like do you do he like just, chips? Or he do you just, just eats do you guac. Just like spoon guac. Anything, yeah, anything he would put it on would just be a vessel to get the guac in his body. That's right. That's incredible. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't. Eat, I can't eat chips. My, my that's what I thought. So messed yeah, up. Yeah, so yeah, I, that's what I was asking. I, I, my my diet consists of meat, rice. So it's either like wild caught fish, really lean chicken, um, or lean beef or elk, um, and then rice. And oh, rice and guac's good. Yeah, and I I put guac usually on the chicken or and the rice. And that sounds awesome. You can yeah, put guac on pretty good. much everything. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah, I put it on my cereal. It's great, yeah, dude. Great. You know what uh, Mariah and I've been doing lately? Well, when I say Mariah and I, really, it's Mariah. She's been making this uh, two guys at once. <laughs> <laughs> she's been making this uh, chocolate pudding out of out of uh, avocados. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah it's yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. There's like, a like, lot. We, yeah. We've had people over and we're like, here, try this, and they're like, oh, this is great mousse or this is great pudding, and we're like. It's avocados. Yeah, <laughs> avocados are a really good one because so that was like uh, when I would make like vegan like desserts and stuff. Avocado was always a really good oh substitute. I mean, that's yeah. when the vegan stuff is really healthy when you can find ways that it's not like processed or you're adding a bunch of sugar. It's but not it's Oreos. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like how can I make something that not only is going to be vegan, but I'm actually it's going to be healthier than. So like there was like a whipped cream I used to do, which was like uh, like cashews and like you know a little vanilla and stuff like that. And yeah. it's like oh, not only am I not getting the processed gross whipped cream but i'm getting like cashews which is good fat and good yeah. you know whatever blah, yeah. blah, blah. cashews are toxic but hey are they uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so, i'm learning well, stuff about okay, iron say, about no, cashews so have you ever seen a cashew shell no and there's a reason why you've never seen one because if you <sighs> eat one they're toxic it will kill you Damn well it. yeah mo- yeah it's like a certain percentage of people but yeah by the way the, the, some people can but the, yeah the, the, no the people who who de-shell or i guess it's called just shelling yeah. the same thing. Shelling mm. and deshelling is the same thing. Whoa! Uh, it's like raveling and unraveling is the same thing. Oh my god! And and so, um, it, w- w- they the women usually women who are are deshelling the cashews that we all eat by hand. They have to wear gloves, otherwise hmm. they will die Whoa. from removing the shells from cashews. Hmm. They're toxic. Well, I I will also say uh, if we're going to talk about uh, the factory farm workers have such a high. Uh, propensity for depression, suicide, and even acting out violently like domestic abuse because they are constantly seeing uh, and partaking in just like murdering animals in the most oh. like horrific way possible. We're yes. not talking about farmers and stuff. Yes. We're talking about like factory farm. That that's also wow. going to be that's going to be like a hard I line I draw yeah. where I'm like if I'm eating meat. I cannot go back to like yeah. the factory farm that's stuff. Why, or that's the... why we do like Belcampo. Belcampo. Belcampo is great. I mean, you know, yeah. sustainable and, and and they they really focus Dude. on on yeah the if you can call it, it sounds to some people like a, a oxymoron, but the ethical slaughter of animals. Yeah. Like the, the, I I believe that there's an, an ethical way to you know if if. I mean, I think that we should, as human beings, also have the option for euthanasia, uh, uh, like they do in, in other countries. Yeah. Um, now they like. Well, Bocampo does that as well, right? If you pay extra. Yeah, they will euthanize you out back. 
It's on the secret menu. That was my promo. All right. So, um, uh, by the way, if uh, you're a Patreon supporter and you need a strainer, let me know and we will send it to you. But only if you need one. Check your drawer first because you yeah. might already have one. Here's the thing. I see this drawer. In, this is another metaphor for you. I open this drawer every single day. But I don't pay attention to the stuff that Bex has put in there because it's mm. it's rather tidy. There's not a lot of stuff. It's our one drawer with all of our. But you don't sit there and keep kitchens. inventory, basically. No, yeah. no, but but in a weird way I do because I go in there every 90 days or so mm. and I get rid of things we haven't used in the last 90 days. And the thing is, I've just never paid attention because I've never used any of the strainers right. in that drawer. Mm. But I know Bex uses them all the time, so mm -hmm. it was just there was something. I'm actually gonna make a bunch of purchases where I really want to teach myself how to cook. Like I want to take cooking classes after quarantine. I don't have any, like, I can cook some stuff, like, uh, I've been in relationships where I'm, like, the cook person, um, but I'm also, like, still very much a college guy, where, like, I stir stuff with the metal spoon, I don't have a cutting board, which I think you're not supposed to do, like, I don't have any, I have, like, one kind of sharp knife. I can, I can kind of cook, but that's only because I've screwed up so many recipes, like, you have to right, screw up a lot right, before right, you're right, like, right. oh, I'm not gonna do that next time, yeah. you have to take the shell off the eggs. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been on, like, a Bourdain, David Chang kick and I was like, I want to like learn more about yeah. food. Well, the the um, oh man, I was going somewhere and the the thought just disappeared into the ether. Oh well, we've got some <laughs> questions here. Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> We're just like oh an hour God. into it. Oh, my oh by God. the way, We're we've got some strainers. questions. <laughs> yes. Oh by the way, if you want the strainer, uh, comment in uh, on Patreon. I'll tell you what changed and, my life is a juicer. Why you want it? Yeah, the really? juicer takes the seeds out because I had the same issue. With lemons and with limes, and uh, we'll do tangerines because, like, you can put tangerine juice in soda water and stuff. What kind of juicer? It's just like a metal juicer, like you, like you know, you hand juice it, and then it sh all the oh. liquid goes through and it strains out yeah. the, the I just, seeds. I mean, I, I just like having the strainer and just real yeah. quick, and hey, it's, it's it's done. Hey, listeners, did you hear them totally ignore my hint that I wanted the strainer? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you need the strainer? No, give it to one of your patrons. Well, They're supporting no, you guys. No. Well, just leave but a I, comment on Patreon. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I'm gonna run the Patreon. <laughs> right. <on my> <laughs> Yeah, I um, need to the drawer. Jordan has it. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got some surprise questions here. We, we want to talk about letting go of toxic mm. relationships. So yeah, right. Jason has a question. How would Marie Kondo let go of toxic relationships? I love this question. I think this could end up being our quickie on, on YouTube this week. I feel like Marie Kondo wouldn't bring in a toxic. She's so good. She wouldn't bring in a toxic relationship. Right. What if she brought in a relationship that turned toxic so, over time? So yeah, I, I was thinking about that. So like a some some like yeah, some, like she got famous and then he couldn't handle yeah, it someone, after like the show took off. Someone switch flipped and all of a sudden they became toxic in her life. Yes, I feel like she would just like start ignoring them. Like I, remember the meme I sent you? I, I feel I feel like they, they would be emailing her. I mean, if it was like a partner that she lived with, I don't know how she would deal with that. But if it was she a just friend, quietly she would just quietly be like, and I'm not talking to you anymore. So I sent Ryan this meme of Marie Kondo, yeah. and she's holding a gun toward the camera, and it says, uh, uh, you no longer spark joy. Goodbye. Right. That's yeah. it. That's and, it. <laughs> and I don't know that that's what she would do specifically, but I, I think that someone like Marie Kondo is asking you know, some questions about, about joy. Now, she uses the word joy with respect to things. Now, I think this is simply a translation error from her native Japanese to English because when, when Ryan and I, as the minimalists, talk about joy, we we delineate joy from pleasure or happiness. I think what she means is with the items, like I'm going to get rid of this thing if it doesn't spark joy. She means if it doesn't bring some sort of happiness to my life. I 
Ryan and I, since 2010, have defined being a minimalist as getting rid of things that don't serve a purpose or bring us joy. So to me, that's twofold. Number one is serving a purpose, it's utilitarian, right? I have this strainer here, and it can strain limits. So it serves a purpose. It doesn't necessarily bring me joy, You're really right? shoving this strainer thing in my face, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great strainer. And, and so, so it doesn't necessarily bring me joy, but it has the potential to create a situation that does. So if I'm making guacamole, using that strainer that the three of us can share, Jamie. I believe joy, you're only able to experience joy if, and only if, it's sh- that experience is shared with other people. Yeah, I totally. think it's impossible to be joyous on a deserted island. You can be contented, you can be happy, you can experience pleasure on a deserted island. Yeah, because you, uh, you even want to tell people about it. Like, because I wanted to disagree with that at first, but like, if, like I love going to see movies by myself. That's mm-hmm. been something I've discovered now that I've been like single, where I'm like, I can see whatever I want. I feel mm-hmm. like it just feels really good. But when I see a movie I love, my instinct is I want to run out and I want to text my brothers and tell, like I kind of yeah. want to find a way to sort of share it with somebody, you know yes. what I mean? Or like that's why we want to like tweet about it or yeah. we want someone to talk to us about. You know, I've literally tweeted stuff like I want to talk about this movie I just saw it, and then people talk to me about it. I'm like, well, I don't really want to talk about, it. but like I, yeah. I want to just tell people um, and like celebrate it almost. So I kind of know what you mean by that. Yeah, I, I I do see what you're saying. It's interesting though because thinking about the desert island, I think about Castaway. Uh-huh. And like when he removes that rotten tooth from his mouth, uh-huh. like the joy that he experienced finally getting rid of that rotten tooth. Yeah, I or, see that as joy. I, or, I, or like finally killing a pig or something to be able to eat. I mean, it's 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 joy in the sense that you get to continue to live. And when you have something brought into your life that sustains you and keeps you able to live there there is a there is a joyous feeling of oh i get to live still mm. but but why do you a, get to live it's a built-in mechanism yeah right, right so ultimately i understand what you're saying you ultimately want to share with other people um so how would you decipher like let's say i'm in a desert uh-huh I'm dying of thirst yes i'm by myself yes and i'm like ready to give up uh-huh and all of a sudden there's this oasis right and there's like a nice big golden crowd buffet right there uh-huh. with a big you know pond of fresh water you're sure like, i have to tweet about it <laughs> <laughs> right after i tweet about it uh yes. but no i mean so, so you get that sip of water and uh-huh. it's this life-sustaining water yeah but it's fleeting and so so, so what so what would you what would you call what, what would you call that feeling of Ah, my yes. life is saved. Yeah, so I, I call this the well-being continuum. Mm. And it starts with pleasure. You're going to get immense pleasure from that first drink of water. Relief. Sure. You're yeah. also going to get, yeah, the relief, relief. is going to bring you some sort of happiness, which mm-hmm. is, yeah, pleasure and happiness are two different things. But I think you'll it's possible to experience both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then ultimately, if you are hydrated for long enough while you're in the desert, you may experience a type of contentment. Mm-hmm. I, I think contentment is sort of a protracted happiness in a way, mm-hmm. a sustained happiness, uh, because happiness alone is fleeting. And same with pleasure. Pleasure often gets in the way of our well-being. Yeah. So we have to be really careful with pleasure. I would say joy is fleeting, though, too. No, it's not. In fact, hmm. it's the opposite. Joy makes room for all of the other emotions. Joy makes room for pain. It makes room for regret. Mm. It makes room for discontent. It, it makes room for all of the negative emotions and negative experiences of life, whereas happiness doesn't. It is possible for you to experience pain and happiness at the same time. You either perceive that thing as painful Mm -hmm. or you will be happy. Now, 
two, you and I can have two different experiences. You may you know, really enjoy getting a, teeth, a tooth pulled out and, and, and experience well, it's, happy, it's the, happiness. It's, yeah, it's after getting the tooth pulled well, out. No, right. I'm saying there are some people who are fetishes oh, sure. who enjoy yeah. that type of, right, right. what you and I would consider to be pain, right. but they might, con, they might construe that as pleasure. right? right. And, and, and so what I'm saying is the metaphor I often use is for food. You could eat, eat a piece of chocolate cake. That is pleasure. If you get most of your calories from pleasure, though, you will not feel, you, you, it's empty calories. And, right. and therefore, you will not be nourished. Happiness comes from a, a healthy meal. That is also fleeting because you can eat one healthy meal but not be a healthy individual, mm -hmm. right? Now, neither one of these, pleasure or happiness, are noble pursuits. Sure. They are really great byproducts. Mm -hmm. and, and so the more noble pursuit is contentment. And mm -hmm. the contentment in this analogy here would be a, a healthy diet that's sustained over a period of time. Mm -hmm. Joy would come from sharing that meal, that mm. that that healthy, that contentment with right. other people. So when the meal is over, yes, then the, I mean the, the joy has the potential for, for for being fleeting. I think joy is more sustainable than happiness. Mm -hmm. uh, but but yeah, I mean you have to do the right things though in order to have joy in your life. Right. It's not like you get it. And then it's it's a more noble pursuit than, than happiness or pleasure. Yes. But once you get it, you still have to do things to sustain that joy, which, again, is more sustainable than happiness. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I still am thinking about somebody hurting Marie Kondo, and I'm fucking livid over here. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that she would be in a... How dare I, I, you? The idea that she would be in a toxic relationship, yeah. it just it hurts my soul. Well, let's, let, let's wrap this up then, and we'll, we'll finish this quickie because it's getting a bit long here. Uh, with, with Marie Kondo... If she had a toxic person in her life, I, it seems to me that she would do what Ryan and I would do. We would start to assess that situation and we would look at our values. Do our values match with that person? Because it might be that you have the same values as that person. You just have different beliefs and you're contributing to this to toxic relationship by by doing something passive aggressive. Not, that doesn't sound like something Marie Kondo would do necessarily, but there may be something that... You, that you're contributing to the relationship that doesn't foster the relationship. Oh my God, yeah, can I talk about, like, when you brought up the Emma thing, there's also, I feel like we're so all or nothing, where it's like, how many, like, this ex ruined my life, or this person, right. like, even the people that did, quote unquote, like, that were really toxic, I got something great out of all of those relationships. Mm. Like the crazy jealous one was by far the most beautiful woman I've ever dated. Mm. And at that point in my life, I really didn't feel like I could attract someone like that. I was really yeah. like down on myself or, you know, I mean it, my messiest ending relationships, like I'm learning now as I'm older to like still see the good in them. Cause yeah. you don't want to be one of those guys who's like, oh, this, this, these fucking women. Like it's like, Ugh. like I, we both got something good. And with Emma, it was one of those things where we did end it because it's like, hey, maybe we got all the good we're going to get out of this. Mm -hmm. And like, how can we hold on to that? And, you know, she got to learn how to be like a little freer. And like, I learned that like, I can operate in a really healthy relationship. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we both, and then we both got the hell out of LA. Um, and so if you're in one of those relationships and you see it ending, like, that could be okay. And I think if you spend that breakup instead of being like, I'm just going to shove this in this person's face about being like, hey, we got a lot of good out of this. Yeah. Why don't we like 
And then, and then the final thing that Marie Kondo would do is acknowledge that and thank. You know, she often thanks the item, yeah, which some people see as 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 cheesy or or, or whatever. But like, she's not actually thanking the inanimate object. Mm-hmm. She's being grateful for the purpose that it served, yeah, or the happiness that it brought. Dude, during that's that what time. Emma and I did. And yeah. it was, exactly. It was so sad, but it was so beautiful. And the second she left, I didn't have that. Like, it was just like. Yeah, yeah, this was the right thing, and yeah. like it, it was hard, but like it, w- it felt really good. Yeah, Carrie has a question for us, Ryan. With family members who are toxic, at what point do you just say enough is enough and move on, despite them being your family? Hmm. There's an obligation here, right? We often yeah. feel, don't we feel like, well, they're always going to be my brother or sister or mom or dad or whatever, which they will be, right? Uh, technically, mm-hmm. but not behaviorally. In right. a way, right? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. We don't have just because you share the same bloodline, same DNA, or whatever, mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're tethered to them. Yeah, right? you can yeah. get out. That is yeah. my you totally get out. Where yes. it's like if you have someone who is bullying you, who's being cruel, you can't be like, well, I got to take this beating because like our dad fucked the same lady and didn't pull out. Like, no, mm-hmm. get out. Yeah. Like I, and by the way, things can be redeemed. So there mm-hmm. was a time when my mom kept like relapsing that I was like, this is terrible for mm-hmm. me. All of my childhood trauma, every time I call her, even when she's sober, I call her and she's tired and I'm like, mm-hmm. or she was so, she would be so, I'm sure lots of people have parents like this, like so negative about everything. I oh, remember yeah. I got a gig at the Sydney Opera House when I was still like struggling. Nice. It was me, Reggie Watts, Christopher Hitchens, like the coolest show I've ever taken part of. And I call her and I go, mom, I'm going to Australia. I've all, this has been one of my dreams. And she goes, I wish someone would take me to Australia. Yeah. I'm just like, God damn it. Yeah. So I stopped talking to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, if, if things went wrong, my brothers would call me and I would help them game plan. And I was always part of like the 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 mastermind to make sure my mom didn't die. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was in the hospital, I flew out to see her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then recently, not only has she been sober, but we talked because I called her to learn about the uh, – about Hawaii more. And I was like, hey, can you kind of tell me some of this stuff? And she turned into a different human being Mm -hmm. where she got excited because for the first time in 20 years, she got to be a mom Mm -hmm. because we were mothering her for so long. So she got to teach me about Hawaii and suddenly she was lighting up and she was telling stories. We talk more than we've ever talked. Um, And my brothers are like, dude, mom's like way different. Like it just took something as little as like i want to learn about hawaii and now we're all asking her questions about hawaii and like well on my birthday we did this like zoom call where she like gave me a hawaiian middle name and now you know it's not too late we're gonna have this beautiful relationship me and my dad in high school didn't talk at all because in high school i love that my mom was an alcoholic because i didn't know what alcoholism was and i was like that just means you're the cool mom because like (laughs) she would let me smoke pot and she would drink wine and then my dad would be like stop doing that and we're like shut up nerd and like i thought he was horrible yeah and so and he had this huge anger issue because he was in this toxic relationship with my mom he gets divorced meets this like lovely uh woman who's now my stepmom Mm. he is incredibly happy he who i didn't talk to in childhood Mm -hmm. is now like one of my greatest like advocates and supporters Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of my brothers have had phases where we like haven't talked to one for a year. And right now, like we're all best friends. I don't know if that's going to last forever. Yeah. Um, I was in a bad relationship, so I distanced myself from them. That was incorrect on mm-hmm. my part. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if anyone is in your life, if they are making your life worse or making you feel like you um, 
are like a bad person or every time you talk to them, you feel like horrible. You do n- nothing. There is no, but, but, but blood totally. like, no, yeah. you get to peace out. And then if they get to stop being an asshole mm-hmm. and if they decide to come around, yeah, maybe you give them another chance yeah. and then you try it. And if they do it again, you bail again. Like, dude, I, I have no problem cutting and running yeah. like, from stuff like that. No, dude. Like I've got family members who I've had to, well, first off, if it's a toxic relationship, I got to look at myself and be like, a hundred percent. Like, w- yes. am I doing something uh, that is making this relationship toxic? Can I do something different to strengthen this relationship? Yeah, when you have guys that are like, all of my exes were the worst. It's like, really, all of right? Them? There's one thing in common with all those exes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so like the question is, is like, am I a toxic person? And then uh, once you've done that 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 introspection, or is my behavior toxic? Yeah, and and once you've maybe changed some behaviors and tried different approaches. You know, then you can look at the other person and be like, okay, every time I talk to this person, they're dragging me down. Every time I talk to this person, they are uh, being negative. That's where you have a conversation. You're like, hey, look, every time that we talk, I really want to stay positive and I want to strengthen this relationship. And w- and I really want to help you do that. And I think one way we can do that is by uh, maybe trying to focus on positive things. Let's just focus on movies that make us laugh or something. I mean, that's what my mom and I have been doing lately. Like, we'll just text each other like funny memes Dude, this- or like funny videos. But like, I had a certain point where I'm like, mom, if you send me another conspiracy theory video, like I'm, I'm going to block you. This like is, I can't do yeah. the conspiracy video things. That is so huge. What you just said. And I feel like a irresponsible person that I didn't say that. And I was just like, get the hell out of there where, unless you hurt Marie Kondo, they get the fuck right. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, you can also, if you, if the relationship is important to you, mm-hmm. you can try that. Cause I realized, so with my mom, the role I was playing. So she was being very negative. Mm. But then I was doing my like positive, it's all good man shit, which her life was horrible. Mm. And so when I, she didn't want to hear me tell her about meditation. She didn't want, I wanted to fix her. Mm. And so then I would be like, well, why are you just telling me bad stuff if you don't want to take advice? Like, it's like you just want to bring me down. And so we were both playing into each other. All I wanted her to be was positive. And mm. I'm just telling her, be positive, be positive, be positive. It's not happening. What happens when I ask her about Hawaii, where she's from, where she knows a lot about, and I'm interested about it? Yeah. She's positive. Right. Why? Because I didn't tell her to. I'm talking about a positive thing, maybe like movies. Yeah. And now, and by the way, I actually opened up to her the other day. I go, Mom, you know, this is why I wasn't talking to you, the negative stuff. But I go, but you also probably hated when I did this. And she goes, yeah. yeah. And by the way, now she's meditating. She's doing all this stuff. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, we're just talking about Hawaii and just like movies. And now mm-hmm. it, it is becoming more naturally um, mm-hmm. positive. And then you could be because so many people, it's like every time I bring up my career, my dad's horrible or whatever. Maybe don't talk about it and be like, Dad, I can't talk to you about this unless you're going to change. But like, I'll be there for you, dude. And we can talk about this and we can talk about that. But Mm -hmm. like, please don't ask me when I'm going to get married or don't ask when I'm going to have a kid or don't ask when I'm you know what I mean? Like that. I I, I love you. I appreciate your concern. I can handle it. Uh, Every time we talk about it, it makes me feel horrible. Uh, Let's not do it. Yeah. No, and it's interesting too cuz like when you're looking at yourself in the mirror and saying like, "Hey, can I do something different?" You know, another way to look at that is, am I showing compassion to this person? Am I showing respect? Am I showing this person that I understand where they're coming from because those are the things that are going to draw someone closer to you. Like in your situation with your mom, when you're like, "Well, I'm just going to like I'm just going to push through and be this positive person." That's not really respecting. That wasn't respecting her battle. Oh, like- which which is uh, you know, it's not it's not like you're the worst son in the world. It's just you needed to reframe and I'm yeah. glad you did. I'm glad that you strengthened your relationship well, with mom. Yeah, I mean, a total accident. Yeah. And Ryan, I think one of the best ways, no, I'm sorry, 
sometimes one of the ways to be the most respectful, one of the ways to be the most compassionate, especially for someone who is being toxically negative or, or trying to drag you down with them, the main leverage you have, mm-hmm. even with the people you love, is your time. Mm-hmm. And if you refuse to continue to spend time with them because in a way that time that you're spending with them is enabling their negativity, mm-hmm. then you can pull back in a compassionate way. Sometimes it's okay to love someone from a distance. Yeah. Sometimes it's the most loving thing to do. So what does is that love them from a distance? What does that mean to love someone? From, because I think I know what it means. Because we talk about that a lot. But like, give me a real life example of loving someone from a distance. Your father. Uh, I it, well, what do I do? Yeah, give, give me get, like what what is the action to love someone from from a distance? Yeah. So, so you can recognize who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. You can have this as a conversation. Often the conversation is not even necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, let me let me try to think of of someone in my own life. Um, well, and I also because what I did with my mom, which mm-hmm. was like I kept telling her be positive, be positive, meditate, do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. She felt like maybe attacked, maybe like I'm the mom. Why is he doing this? Mm-hmm. I pulled back. I, again, from a distance, like would still check on my brothers, how's she doing, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly she kind of figured it out on her own. And like we slowly came together. I don't know. I don't know if that's what you were talking about. Well, yeah, when I think about my dad, it's like, uh, you know, like I sent him a message on Father's Day, which he does not celebrate, by the way. But I didn't say anything about Father's Day. Right. I was yeah. just so, like, hey, so you, if you would have said, hey, happy Father's Day, that would have been like a passive aggressive thing. Right. Instead, I was like, hey, man, I know that you and I don't see eye to eye on stuff, but there's a lot of things that you gave me growing up that I really am grateful for. And here are those things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's how I love him from a distance. Um, yeah, I, I, I know what we mean by love from a well, distance. I, I, I do mean that, but I think there's a flip side of the same coin. Yeah. Sometimes if their behavior is negative, the most loving thing you can do is stop contributing to that behavior. Mm. And so loving isn't just the act of loving someone. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It, is, it is the act of avoiding perpetuating the negative perpetuating the negative acts mm. uh, or behaviors in which they are are uh, partaking i'm taking yeah. away your punching bag so maybe you'll learn yoga that's a great way to put it marianne has a question for us how do you access people who really can't renounce for example a parent when they become attached to some toxic even truly even truly an evil person i go okay. Uh, when they become attached to some to- toxic, even a truly evil person. Yeah. I go twice a year and always come back sad and angry. So it sounds to me like like um, Marianne, Marie Ann, has a parent, a mother or father, who has remarried a, oh, a person who is toxic mm-hmm. to Marie Ann. And now every time you go for you know uh, Thanksgiving and Easter yeah. or whatever, you feel battered and you come back sad and angry. This is a tough one because mm. it's not like bail on the family member because you want to protect the person you love. Like I was talking to uh, my friend last night who when he turned like 13, he had to go on this pig hunt um in hawaii as part of his like manhood uh yeah and what they do is they send out dogs first and the dogs corner the pig Mm -hmm. um and you once you hear the barking you have like a minute to run and kill this pig with your knife um or else 
the pig kills your dogs. Oh, wow. Because the pig's going to defend himself. Right. And, like, because me, as a on-off-again vegan, uh, I, I want to learn more about hunting because I'm like, if I'm going to eat animals that I love so much, I want to learn how to respect and honor and, like, not yeah. run away from it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, like, listening to this story, and I'm kind of cringing, and I'm putting myself in his position. And I was like, oh, I'd hear the dogs barking, and I would run away or lie right. and say I'm injured or whatever. But then when he goes, or they kill your dogs, it's I like, was like, oh. Yeah. And so, like... With this, it's so much harder than just walk away because do you want to bail on your mom mm-hmm. or whoever uh, uh, and leave her with this stepmom that, or with this like shitty stepdad or whatever. Now, if she is truly happy with the person she has decided to marry or, or be, be with, um, then maybe you can leave or maybe mm-hmm. you can have a conversation and be like, hey, your new husband treats me like ass. Uh, I'm not going to show up at Thanksgiving. I still love you. Yeah. Um, maybe like me and you can do like a getaway trip like later in the year or we can talk on the phone more or whatever. But like, yeah. honestly, like if you care about me, either like rein him in mm-hmm. because this is insane. Ooh, 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 right? I disagree here. Okay. I, I don't, I think ultimatums are almost always a bad thing. Oh yeah. yeah. Sure. 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 Um, yeah. What you're saying is, is like, Hey, if you want me around, there has to be, you know, some kind of respect that we show each other. I yes. would love for right. me not to be treated like shit every right. time I come. Could you please day. talk to your husband about yeah, about yeah, just yeah. showing some some civil so, some civility? At yeah, and I, I, right. I don't mean ultimatum as much as, but I did phrase it that way. A, a, as much as like or a compromise or mm-hmm. like if that's not going to happen, let's figure out a different time that me and you can go celebrate because like honestly every time I leave there like I feel worse about myself and Mm -hmm. I don't want to start conflating it with our relationship Mm -hmm. Um, but like yeah I don't think she has to suddenly like befriend this guy so yeah that's uh, my mother is married to a miserable person they have a very toxic relationship and have for many years right yeah and yeah and uh I the mo- mostly when I see my mom, I don't go to her place where he lives. Right. I mean, I will go every once in a while. I mean, because he kind of stays out of the room. But like, for example, whole you know, I don't know. Years ago, he's like come down. He starts like screaming the n word about stuff, and I'm like, oh, I'm leaving. Right. right, right. Bye. That's like you, I like that's I can walk away where from I bid adieu. <laughs> yeah. So like I I leave, and mom's like, oh, what happened? I'm like, yeah, I'm not. A, I don't. I know that you can be around that. I can't be around that. It's that time leverage that we're talking about. Yeah. So uh, I always have the choice to get up and leave. I always have the choice to um, hang out with my mom outside of out of their relationship. We'll call it the N word rule. Right. Yeah, like, right. Exactly. <laughs> that's when you can bounce. So yeah. So I I love what you said about um, finding a time to celebrate holidays without that person around. That'd be cool, right? And, yeah. yeah. And that's and and that's totally cool. And my mom's totally cool with. She understands why no one wants to be around my stepfather. Mm. Um, and the other option too is you can always walk away. So if you're getting to a point sad and angry, like I understand, because I feel sad and angry when I have to leave a situation. You'd be like, oh, that sucks. But if you're sad and angry and you don't leave, like you're doing yourself a disservice. So you always have the option of getting up and walking yeah, away. Yeah, you're just adding one more miserable person to the equation. Yeah, exactly. Ryan, you had a relationship about a decade ago that really strained our relationship yeah. uh, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, we don't have to mention the, the person, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, it was someone you were dating. And there was a certain toxicity there, just with, even if you take me out of the relationship. Well, yeah. It, it, I think it was what Jamie was talking about earlier, where it was like, uh, y- y- I was uh, Talib Kweli, and she was like, well, how dare <laughs> you go talk to 
Except well, you were business partners with Talib Kweli. Well, you know, it's interesting. Like, I I had been a really crappy partner up to this relationship. Yeah. So when I started dating this this girl, Same thing. this yeah. woman, I was like, I'm going to give it my all. Oh, my God. This is what happened with me and the Talib Kweli. Like, this is actually what so, happened. So when she exhibited toxic behavior, I didn't see it as toxic behavior. I looked at it as... Oh, I'm doing something wrong. Because you're so if used I to could you just, being the problem. Yeah, if yeah, I could just too. change it. So I did everything I could. By the way, when I met her, I was at the peak of my drug use. Mm. This was before uh, the, the minimalist. This was, this was like when I was at the peak of my misery, the peak of my drug use, the peak of my... Uh, you know, of, of my, of my uh, well, heading towards the peak of like my, my corporate job or career or whatever. Um, so there was so much going on that A, when I sobered up, I was like, uh-oh. Like, I didn't realize how I had to be on drugs to be with this woman. Ugh. And then and then I it, it, it took me, you know, three years to realize, like, oh, like, it is okay to say, hey, Ryan, it's not you. It yeah. actually is this other person. Dude, so, that took me a long time. Yeah, I went was, through the exact same thing. It was That's wild. Yeah. yeah it's, I, it's rough, man, because yeah, you want to keep – because it's been on you. It, it was on me for so long. Yeah. That I wanted to be like, no, this is yeah. Ryan. This is the same thing that always happens in your relationships. And, and even when she said the jealousy thing, I was just like, I was like, I know that's going to be okay because I am not even going to look at another girl because I am fixing everything about me and I am yeah, ready to be a perfect right. boyfriend. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean she was ready to be a perfect girlfriend. Yep. Like, and and then look, it's good that me and you did that, and then we got to take it on to our new relationships. But man, what a bummer well, you when you're just like. All right, I guess this is what a healthy relationship yeah. is as like this other person is suddenly being crazy and yeah. you're trying to like be yeah. the best version of yourself. Yeah, it was it was uh yeah, I'll tell you the one thing I got out of that relationship though is I realized what I needed out of a partner. Yeah. And so when I found that in a partner, I uh she yeah, it was great. I knew exactly I knew exactly. I was like, "Oh yeah, like this is I'm willing to give this a shot." Yep. Instead of being like, I'm going to find the person who's going to show me the most attention, and then I'm going to give that a shot, it was like, I, I got a lot more choosy, I right. guess, so, with the people at. And she has to pass the M1 yeah. test. I mean, the apex, <laughs> the apex, I mean, just so people know how it strained Josh and I's relationship, the apex was when we were in Salt Lake City, uh -huh. and you were dating a girl at the time. Yeah, Colleen. Yeah, the girl that's in the, Everything That Remains. Yeah, and Everything That Remains. And yeah. Colleen had had some stuff about like, hey, look, uh... I, she had issues with like she had dated a married guy or something I, I don't know what it was mm -hmm. so Josh was still technically married okay by the way I hadn't been with my wife for several years yeah, like, yes yeah, yeah. they were just like on paper technically married yeah we hadn't gone through the court date yet so had me all the paperwork and me trying else. to yes. be the trying to put it on myself and to repair to this relationship because she was very jealous over Colleen for some reason. Because Colleen and I would joke on Twitter. Or what. Ryan and Colleen were friends. Right. And, and, and um, the other person, uh, Ryan's girlfriend, just couldn't understand that Ryan could also be friends with yeah. with, with the person I was which dating. Which just tells me that she couldn't just be friends with guys, which which is a whole right. other, other thing. Fascinating. So I said, hey, why don't you have... We're in Salt Lake City. We're, on, we're, we're, we're in Salt Lake. I'm like, why don't you go and have some lunch with Colleen and just try and like really see her for who she is. She's a great person. And she was like, yeah, I'll give that a shot. Great. So she went on this lunch and basically was like, just attacked Colleen. You know, Josh is still married technically. You know that uh, you should probably lose a, a, a few pounds, but I was in such a state 
that like I thought there's no way she could do like You're there's like, no way she actually behaved like this. You're like I just killed this. What a great idea. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was like I mean that was the apex where I mean, and that was real. It was really like. That was in like December, I think. It was December twenty. Yeah, it was uh, right before Christmas. Yeah. And then we, this is our very first tour. We had two people at our Salt Lake City right. tour stop. Yeah, and then we broke up in March. Like it was three months later, where I was just like, I. Th- but that was the beginning yeah. of me like, oh wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't a Ryan problem. Right. This the only Ryan problem is is that I'm trying to hang on to something. Isn't toxic. that a wild, first realization where you're just like, oh, I'm not the one that screwed this up. Yeah. You're like uh, she tried. She she specifically tried to break up Colleen and Josh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and the friendship and like because that yeah. would probably break you guys up. Oh, she was jealous. Have you? She for, was yeah. Je- yeah. Well, it got to a point where I was like, again, like still trying to hold on. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this couples counseling. And we went into like she picked out the therapist, which I'm like, okay, great. But then when I went, it's like her and the therapist were going after me and Josh. Right. And it's I like was the like third, the third season of Ozark. Do you remember did you you see the third season of Ozark? Oh yeah, yeah, it's so good. Spoiler alert, he he <laughs> bribes the psychiatrist. I totally thought about this. Yes. I, when I saw when I saw the third season, I'm like, "Oh, this is what my ex did to me." Uh-huh. She found a she found a psychiatrist or a couples counselor to basically be on her side. Oh, that's great. And it was just like, and it was like, oh, you know, Josh is in your life, but he needs to be out of your life. Whoa. He no needs- therapist should Yeah, say and that. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, this is the worst advice I've ever heard in my life. Like, there should be some kind of coexisting. Whoa. Like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, but that was, again, that, that happened in March. And then I think she gave me an ultimatum. I didn't even break up with her. She was like, you need to stop talking to colleen or we're through and i'm like i guess we're through then oh isn't that the, <laughs> and that was it isn't that the best when you don't want to get out of a relationship because like they, and they get out of it and for they you. give you the ultimatum and you're like well if that's what you want and they're like what and you're just like no it's too late you said it already Dude, i have so much guilt and you can't exi- take it back you can't take it back no take it back no yeah. take it back i remember uh with uh the saddest thing that happened with emma is i think one of the reasons you know i talk about like i finally had the guts to get out of a relationship before it got toxic i was so devastated about the cat that nothing could upset me mm. like there were literally times where I'd be crying and I think she thought it was about like me and her because we were, were talking about breaking up and she's like hey it's okay we'll still be friends and I'm like what you're still here you know what I mean like I was yeah. just like so obsessed about the cat that I was just like whatever like everything else was like easy yeah. but anyway glad you're out of that relationship yeah me too I have so much like oh guilt and anxiety talking about this it's crazy because it's like resurfacing all of my yeah bad mistakes but hey that's what we do yeah and, and by the way like <laughs> There's another section toward the end of Love People Use Things about apologizing. That's one mm-hmm. thing Ryan did. And, like, you have to apologize. And if you accept someone's apology, you have to move on, right? Yeah. You can't then cling. That's a toxic behavior if you cling to the behavior after you've accepted the apology. Yeah. So, like, I don't cling to any of that with Ryan. Like, I, I can remember it. I'm not saying, well, forget about it. Put it out of your mind altogether. No, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen. But there's no clinging. The, the, yeah. it, it's, it, it happened. We have moved beyond that. And and by the way, I've done things that have frustrated Ryan or whatever. And like, mm-hmm. but if we can apologize and then move on, uh, I did this to to a friend of mine uh, recently. I accidentally gave away some personal information about him on a, a podcast episode. <laughs> we'll call him Mike for the purposes of this discussion. And his name is Mike, and you're doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> anyway, he he called me. He's like, I can't believe that you. You you talked about that on you the podcast. You revealed this information about yeah, me, and I'm like, 
what are you talking like that's not yeah. even a big deal that was my first response i'm yeah. like oh it's because it's not a big deal to me doesn't mean it's not a big deal to mike right and so i can it, and by the way also i don't have any control over his feelings i can't mm -hmm. say you shouldn't be upset by that mm-hmm it's not it's not my place to say mike you shouldn't be upset by that hey right. what do you guys think totally um agree. great um i'm gonna have to i don't have a, a a ton of time left so i shouldn't be throwing out more topics but i'm, <laughs> I'm so curious about this which is what do you guys think because you said something that i do which is you just listed this incredibly toxic woman's behavior and then you were like oh it brings up like mistakes i've made and i'm like mm -hmm. mm. um and but uh, one it of just the things makes me relive stuff yeah yeah uh, totally and like but i i don't know if this is healthy when i do it i think it's healthy but when you said that i wondered um so i'm wondering your guys take which is so even in like my divorce was like very messy and like uh Everybody I talk to is like, you should hate this woman forever for like correct reasons, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the things that's got me through is figuring out if instead of focusing on like all oh, the things she did or whatever, is still being like, what could I have done better? So even though they're right, one mm -hmm. of the things I could have done better, and I'm sure you feel this about that this woman is could have gotten out of the relationship right. when I knew years before, yes, before it all like blew up and exploded. <clears throat> And, but I've also like said to some people, sometimes I've been like, you know, like, uh, uh, sometimes people go, you're, you're being too hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, because I think like, even if you were treated like crap, if you have a bad experience or whatever, what you can gain from that is how can I become a better person like yeah this was yeah. bad but if i just wallow in like self-pity and like this girl was bad to me like i would much rather figure out like hey what could i have done better mm -hmm. um and then bring that to the new relationship do you think that if you focus too much on the you stuff you're getting into almost like victim blaming yourself do you think there's like a bad you know what i mean oh yeah I, I agree with everything you're saying i think that when i say that i'm reliving the, the anxiety and the guilt, it's more about like, I've already moved past it. I've already taken the good from it. Right, 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 and right, sitting here it, and right, talking right. about the details is just making me really relive it for no You're reason. Like, yeah. Right, so, right. so to your point, it is pointless to just constantly relive the guilt and sorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And then do you think it is good of both you guys to like focus on the kind of like, even if you were completely wronged in the relationship, yes, still to, being like, what could I have done? What could I have done better? for you. And what good came out of it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So 100%. it's like, you don't have to blame yourself, but figuring out what you could do, like triaging it a little bit so you can yeah. take it into the next relationship. Good. Absolutely. Let's or, try to get through these three last questions here. Oh, yeah. Denise has a question for us, Ryan. <laughs> so I divorced my best friend, how should I gracefully deal with the fallout from my social circle? Ooh. Oh, so did you have this with uh, with your marriage? Did you have the same social circle, or have you left anyone behind? Oh, they they all abandoned me right away. Mm. Um, well, I did not your have answer, to Denise. Yeah. Just have them abandon. Just you. have them completely bail. That's <laughs> right. so interesting. Yeah. Um, who? Man, well, uh, according to a country song that came on the radio uh, on my drive here, he was Which is where I get all of my advice. <laughs> he, he, he was doing good, went out with his boys for the first time after him mm. open, but then she walked in with her hair in the wind and it just set everything off. Uh, so I don't know, man. I mean, for me, that whole circle was toxic. Mm. It wasn't just like I was in a bad relationship. Yeah. Um, it was sort of... 
uh, these people never had my back in yeah. the first place. They were kind of her friends. My friends kind of got pushed aside. So I would like go. I wanted to be a part of this crew. And then when we left, obviously that crew um, bailed yeah. on me. Um, some advice I could give. I think it's cool to have like. Uh, well, this isn't a relationship. This is a friendship. I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on the circumstances because part of me, like if this girl she divorced was just being like a monster to her, uh, I would wonder why my friends didn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that it could be an opportunity to sort of find other friends as well. So there's not so much like onus and pressure on this like one friend group. Like mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot as I meet uh, and talk to like women in their thirties uh, and like my age, as we get older, mm-hmm. some of them are just like tethered to their friend group. Kind of like we were talking about with the family and their friend group makes them miserable mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, it's so weird. I would like want to work out and like drink less, but like, I don't know. I still got to go out with the girls and like, and I'm like, do you have fun? And they like, no. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, sometimes You've talked about this, Ryan, with respect to like a lot of your friends were just like Drinking buddies in a way. Yeah. And when you yeah. remove one behavior, uh, a shared interest even. Right. In fact, there, there's a section in Love People Use Things uh, called Finding Empowering Relationships. Do I look okay on camera standing up, Jordan? Are you okay with this? Okay. Um, the key to establishing and fostering new empowering relationships is threefold. First, the most enriching relationships coalesce around shared values, not beliefs or ideologies or interests. So th- I think that's a big problem. We yeah. often coalesce around ideologies. That's the whole, the whole political thing that really got you in yeah, trouble, right? Yeah, because yeah. you might have the same ideology or even the same belief or a shared interest. But Ryan had shared interest with drinking buddies, right? That's not, a, uh, that's not, it's fine if you have, it's great if you have shared interests, in fact. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have shared values, you're going to stumble. stumble. Yeah, this, this is interesting because her question, what, what, what I hear this question being asked is, hey, there's someone in my life that I used to be best friends with that I cannot hang out with anymore. And I don't want to go to our circle of friends and be like, I'll hang out with you, but so-and-so can't be there. It's like, how do you deal with I that? Think you could, but I think you would actually say that. So, so yes. So what that tells me is, is there's going to have to be a lot of really tough conversations that she's going to have to have with the circle of mm-hmm. friends. Oh, you know, it could be a cool solution too. Cause I was thinking about, cause this is kind of similar to the family thing. Um, is, Hanging out with people like, because I want to say for your drinking thing, like if uh, that was like the partner who didn't want their 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 girlfriend to be like healthy, right? It's mm-hmm. like if people are gonna give you crap for trying to better your life, taking a toxic person out, not drinking, it's like all right, maybe they weren't your friends, right? right. Like if you need to be drunk to be around these people, it's like maybe I just liked drinking and like screw these people if they don't want me to get healthier Um, but she could actually have a really cool opportunity like okay so let's say they all it sounds like they all obviously hung out in groups a lot like maybe now she can hang out like on more one on one basis not even make it a thing Mm -hmm. and just like take one of the girls and be like hey do you want to go see a movie like get to know the people on a one on one Mm -hmm. and then just see what naturally happens are you invited to this thing and like Again, it's also having the confidence not to define yourself by uh, your relationship, not to define yourself by your friend group, but being so happy as an individual that if they go, hey, we're having like a party at what's your name's house, Mm -hmm. being like, hey, you know, I have this weird thing with like Caroline or whatever. Uh, Is she going to be there? And they're like, yeah. And it's like, okay, I just feel weird right now. So I'm going to peace out, but I'd love to see you guys like another time. That's totally It doesn't even have to be super dramatic. Totally. Yeah. And so ultimately, Denise, I would just say, Yes, you can, you can try to somehow mend the relationships with everyone else in your social circle. The other, and I think more powerful thing to do is start to establish new empowering 
relationships, foster those relationships. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. And, and if you can do both, even better. Dude, it's if I would have met my ex, my toxic ex sober, yeah. I never would have like I never would have You would have made it past the first date. No. Yeah. That is so crazy. It's like I, I don't know. I don't know. There's something there, but we don't have time to unpack uh, yeah. that. Jennifer has a question for us, Ryan. When you have grown up in a toxic environment and those patterns have manifested in your adult relationships, how are you able to move forward and come to peace with the past without allowing trauma to dictate your life? Ooh, you know, let's talk about the definition of trauma. Uh-huh. Trauma is something you cannot work past. Mm. Trauma is something that you can't let go of because, you know, Jordan's head might fall off right now. Mm-hmm. Knock on wood <laughs> that it doesn't fall off. And I might not be traumatized by that, right. but Jamie might leave here being traumatized because he can't believe Jordan's head just fell off. Right. And I'm also traumatized by your guys' callous reaction to it. <laughs> right, exactly. Being completely honest. Yes, exactly. The whole thing's a bit of a mess. Right, to be exactly. fair, I didn't even see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, it- but, 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 but so trauma is something that you can't work past. So if there's something you haven't worked past, then that is, then you've got to focus on how can you get past that particular trauma. Like I've got trauma with... Uh, not being understood. Like my stepdad used to beat the crap out of me. I went to my dad. I went to child protective services. No one believed me. Everyone thought that I was making it up and that I just wanted to get out of my mom's house, which was uh, true that I wanted to get out of that house because I was being physically abused. Right. So, so I have trauma when people see me for something that I'm not, when people don't believe me, when I'm telling the God honest truth, like there's trauma that gets brought up because I, I haven't been able to like fully work past that. So whatever trauma it is in life, like you've got to figure out some kind of tool yeah. to be able to deal with the emotions that that trauma brings up. And some trauma you aren't necessarily going to be able to work through. Like there will always be something there. And then the other thing about trauma is it layers on top of each other. So then you've got child service protection didn't uh, believe me. And then you've got um, the constant uh, 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 verbal abuse. And then you have, um, you know, uh, things with my mother. Like it's, it's an onion. Like there are these layers to trauma that the more you can understand what the trauma is, how it layers on top of each other, then you can start to deal with it. Uh, the only thing I'll say before we, I let you guys talk is the best way that I have found, and I just learned this actually two weeks ago. I had this whole like seminar on trauma. What I do when I have trauma come what are you, up. Some kind of sissy? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say to myself and it's all better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when I have these feelings come up, I go to that little kid mm. who like doesn't feel believed. Right. And I'm like, what, does, what did that little kid need to hear? Mm-hmm. And then I will start to just talk to that little kid as an adult and give him what he needed to hear. And it's not, and this isn't like a magic bullet answer, but it, it, it does ease, it does ease the trauma a little bit. Dude, I was really cocky about my answer. And then like you opened up so hard there and I was like, Ooh, I have more trauma than I realized I do. Um, so I'm still going to give my answer, but I'm going to do it slower and think about it, which is what I've noticed recently is I think it is so important to examine your trauma, be open with it, figure out why you're doing the things, right? Why did I used to be jealous? Well, my first two girlfriends cheated on me. Why am I not crazy about like a girlfriend drinking? That's obvious. That's because of my mom, right? Mm -hmm. Like you actually opened up a bunch of other things where I was like, oh yeah, like when I'm with a partner who like isn't, 
like positive and like fuck yeah you can do it it's because well my parents never believed i could do it everyone mm. did when i dropped out of high school and i said i wanted to do comedy like everyone was constantly telling me no 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 so that's why i want to be that artsy kind of like let's just go ride or die like hit the road whatever um and even if they're rational like do you want to do that i'm like oh look who doesn't believe in me you know and they right. might be right um when i've like self-destructed is when i live too much in the past Mm. Um, you know, when I started drinking again for the first time last week, when I started reading Russell Brand's book about recovery, where I was just like reading, feeling broken makes me want to go do broken things. Ooh, it's very, that podcast, it's Sean. very weird. Yeah. Um, I tried to go to Al-Anon meetings, uh, in Los Angeles. So if you guys don't know, Al-Anon, what are you, some kind of sissy? What are you, some kind of sissy? Uh, <laughs> Al-Anon is, uh, I've been uh, to some Al-Anon meetings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for you guys who don't know, it's like, uh, it's like the adult kids of alcoholics or if you're in a relationship with addicts or whatever. Um, and a lot of my behaviors do fit Al-Anon, uh, thing. And I would go there and I would just feel like I'm not going to show up to a place every week to be like, here is why I'm bad and broken. And like, sure. and, and, but so many people get so much good out of this. So I don't want to like, I'm not trashing therapy. I'm definitely not trashing like 12 step meetings. What right, I, right. Well, what you're saying is, is there are times where getting help is appropriate. And I, in fact, this is one of my bigger struggles, uh, is asking for help at the appropriate times. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm, I'm almost allergic to, to, to that, which is a, a flaw of mine that mm. there was Bex and I were talking about something and she was talking about a friend or family member who, you know, constantly like is reaching out for help. And I'm, and my response, I caught myself right as I, as I was saying it, my response was imagine being an adult and asking for help. Mm. And then I was like, wait a minute. No, but yeah, I will like, say though, and, and, and just what I was gonna say before, but I will say for that is there was a phase where I became addicted to that. Where if I knew I had to break up with Emma, let's say, I would call you, you would tell me I should break up with Emma and I would go, cool. And then I would call you and mm -hmm. then I would say the ex it's funny exact same story. I, I would never say that, but that's what you would get out of whatever we talked about, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. then I would just keep- We, I would, we find what we're looking for. I would just become addicted to just telling my sob story, telling my sob story. So wh what I was gonna say is, my advice is, Figure out the past, figure out where the trauma comes from, learn from it. But then just like I've started doing with depression, don't let it define you. Like you can be mm. like, okay, I know why I'm feeling jealous. I'm feeling jealous because I was cheated on. But I think what a lot of people do is just go, well, because of my trauma, I'm a jealous person. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, but what if once you figure out the root, you then try to not be, you right. know what I mean? And like, Absolutely. how can we get past those things? And I think we've become addicted to defining ourselves by our trauma. And what I would rather do is like, I'm going to learn from my trauma and then I'm going to be fucking powerful and I'm going to move past it. I'll tell you what I like about Al-Anon is it gave me a place with a group of people who experienced similar traumas yes, to you me. You feel less crazy. So yeah, you feel less crazy. You have an opportunity to voice your trauma. You've got, I don't know, there's like 60 people there who were like, yeah, we get your trauma, man. You're like, what? And just yeah. being able to have be around people who make you feel, who made me feel understood, it helped me to not feel like I had to take out my trauma on other people. Oh, like I had an outlet for it. So maybe, you know, Al-Anon, like, you know, I, I'm not knocking it. Um, in fact, I would say if, if you haven't tried Al-Anon, go to one meet. I mean, they say go yeah. to like seven in a row to see if it works. But like, so uh, you gotta watch the first two seasons of Breaking Bad, <laughs> right? right, so right before right, right. you can get into it, just be good in the first. But, season. but in all seriousness, like if, if if you're someone who is having an issue with trauma that you grew up with, Al-Anon is a great place to go because everyone there has experienced trauma. 
Everyone's there trying to help you work through your trauma and you have an opportunity to to, to kind of unpack your trauma. They also a have bit. the best sayings in the world. Yeah. I feel like AA people and Al Anon, even though I'm not I don't agree with like all of the whatever, yeah. I'm like they top notch. That's like why for saying one of my favorite and, books because it, you know, a third of it takes place in an AA recovery group. And like like the the guys who are in there, uh, the guys and gals who are in there are philosopher kings of their own little you know, f- uh, alcoholic fiefdoms yeah, and they have yeah, yeah, yeah. they have this wisdom that they're able to impart on on sort of newbies and it's it's beautiful um finally we have a question from sam she wants to know about savable relationships ryan i'd love to hear a discussion on the difference between savable and unsavable relationships how do you know when someone is just going through a tough time versus when they're just a difficult person when do you let go and when do you stay i'd also be interested to hear about what to do when you've let go of so many relationships and need to find new ones how do you find people that are healthy for you okay so let's let's tackle these one at a time uh quickly savable versus unsavable it's it's i think that's in the eye of the beholder depends Mm -hmm. it may be maybe what i would do is 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 say stop trying to be the savior Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Because that's not your role in the relationship. I've tried many times to save other people. My mom was an example with her alcoholism. Yeah, and I you tried to save me, man. And like until I wanted to save myself, like there was no saving me. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and so I mean, I think that what we can do instead of saving them is saying what is the best way to support this person and then that goes back to is it from a distance like david friedlander mm-hmm. or uh we had david we had dave rubin on the podcast recently we didn't yeah. publish that episode we'll probably publish it for patreon maybe it'll be like a christmas gift for you all sure um we weren't happy with the conversation we had interesting and we have to text about that later <laughs> well yeah i'll just tell you real quickly about it right now like um in fact i i am disappointed because ryan and i didn't just ha- we 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 could have done better in the conversation. We didn't have an argument on air. He and I had an argument on the phone afterward. Um, but the he said some things, and this was the day that the George Floyd thing happened. And in on that podcast, we didn't know about the whole George Floyd thing at the time. On the podcast, he said that America is the least racist country in the history of the world. That's when you're just like, you don't know anything. Right. Well, it's <laughs> well like, I was like, which, I'm like, what is your, what's your metric? Right. What are you using to say that? Because if we're choosing a metric, I don't know which metric to choose. I don't feel what you're saying. Yeah. But, and we had a conversation around that, but he like stuck, he like put we his We had a in. war about slavery. Yeah, right, he, right. he put his, yeah, that's a, that's, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and there should have been, there that's what been, I should have said. Right, right. And so there are ways we, we could have pushed back. And so I called him afterward uh, and he was, I, I don't know how else to say it other than he was belligerent. And he was like, I stand by everything I said. I said, look, man, it's just tone deaf right now to even like, I, I respect the episode was actually about free speech. I said, I respect, you can say whatever you want to say. I don't, I think that if you're trying to bring your book and your show in front of our audience, which is appreciably different from yours, you're just not putting it in. Maybe there's some overlap. Maybe 5% of our audience also knows who he is, but most of our audience has no clue. If I want to put, I actually want to put what you're doing in the best light because I think you do have some good ideas, mm-hmm. and and you know you talk about why you left the left. My friend Jamie you know, ha- has a similar sort of thing, but far more compassion. Well, can I tell you what happened with me? 
Yeah. That I realized this is why I was so fascinated by this. And uh, man, I'm late. I have to pee, and I'm so. I know I got to pee so bad. Too. Oh, all right. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll so, so this is this is this is huge. So me and you actually kind of became friends when I talked about. Um, starting to be uh, disenfran- disenchanted with the left and stuff like that. The far and, left. Yeah. yeah, the far left. And Because um, you're still a lefty. Dude. Uh, well, you're a leftist. But this is something that I've circled back to uh-huh. because mm-hmm. I interviewed Dave Rubin. I was, you know, uh, uh, the Jordan Peterson website wants me to do a podcast there and like that kind of center right. I was sort of being... Uh, drawn to and courted to and I went on a bunch of right-wing shows and had a good time I stayed very liberal and I got so many people who wrote in and they said you know what I don't agree with you and these were like Dave Rubin types I don't agree with you but I love that you're willing you know you're still too liberal for me but I love that you're willing to call both sides out and I said thank you so much Mm -hmm. and then George Floyd gets killed and I go hey we probably shouldn't murder black people and right away, everyone's like, looks like cuck social justice warrior Jamie's back. And I lost hundreds mm. of followers. Now, I didn't do my old thing where I wasn't like, you know, if you say one thing about looting, you don't care about black people. Or I was like, mm-hmm. hey, looting's bad. Murder's bad. Systematic racism's bad. You know, like, let's look at the facts. Like, Black Lives Matter is also different than the looters. Like, mm-hmm. all, you know, I was being as, like, logical and kind of like, hey, we can all, this is certainly something we can all agree on. Mm-hmm. All those the like supposed like well i'm still a liberal and i'm an intellectual race came up and like like i'm really proud of you that you are not airing that because the reaction to something as obvious and callous and non-political as a black man being murdered by people who are paid to protect him on camera while other police officers stand around and the history from slavery to Jim Crow to uh, redlining to black to, to successful black people not being able to own uh, homes to the war on drugs to everything that mm-hmm. black people have had to deal with not taking a second for compassion it's like oh you're making the center look bad you're making republicans look bad like murdering black people should not be a political issue straight up that should be something that all of us are like this is disgusting and there are a bunch of people on the right who are like this is disgusting we need police reform blah 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 yeah i mean even i mean rush limbaugh he was on the breakfast club and it, my, my he went on he had did an interview with charlemagne the god rush limbaugh oh i heard about this yes. and, and it was good i mean they disagreed on a lot of things and that's the conversation i'd love to have with dave rubin so you know what i did with dave i said hey man i'd love to invite you back on what what we talked about is not putting your work in the best light. We might agree about that one thing. Let's set aside that. Like we we don't have to talk about the y- your thoughts on the most racist country. Or you actually have some good ideas. Let's bring those to the forefront. And he's like, don't act like you're doing me some sort of service. There, I'm like, I'm there are people that once they take on this contrarian centrist thing, I think they be stop becoming human and they go. Because I had this moment where I realized when the Black Lives Matter thing happened, I go, oh, this does not help my career at all because I've courted a bunch of these right wing people and kind of centrist people. And now I do like these like weird, funny videos that aren't political on my Instagram. And I go, but it turns out this is how I feel. And I'm going to stand up for like injustice. And sure enough, like because the left's not going to want me on their shows to talk about it. So it's not like I'm like gaining followers or I can like go like you know promote my podcast on these lefty podcasts and then I'm losing all of these conservative people but to me I was like I don't care anymore mm-hmm. like this is just who I am as a person I see injustice I'm going to call it out where I feel like people like Ruben have put themselves in such a corner 
where they're like, I'm the person that calls out the left Mm -hmm. that when something like this happens, if the left is saying this is bad, they have to find another angle. Mm. And to me, it just seems like, oh, you're doing this for business and you would and you're cool with like black people being killed, which in that case, like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I don't think that's where, where Ruben is. No, like, no, 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 no. I know, yeah. I know. But, yeah. but you know, going back to the savable and unsavable relationships, uh-huh. like with Ruben specifically, uh, I, I think you look at that and you say, "Hey, is is he willing to listen?" You're looking at that us box, and you're like, "Okay, uh, is someone just is someone willing to give to that us box?" Uh-huh. And when they're not willing to listen, when they're not willing to give the, to that us box. I think that is when I personally, I'm not saying that's when you or you should uh, uh, be willing to give up uh, or, or, or label a relationship unsavable, but that's when I label a relationship unsavable. That's a if great they're, boundary. If yeah. They're not willing to listen and if they're not willing to uh, give to the us box. That's great. Jamie Kilstein. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, really yeah, appreciate yeah. you, brother. You yeah. guys are the best. Check out his podcast. It is called, you oh, changed the name now. Yes, it is called uh, A Fuck Up's Guide to Self-Help. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, Follow so- him on Instagram as well, at the... Jamie Kilstein. He's yep. got a blue check mark and everything. Uh, no, I only have a blue check mark on Twitter and Facebook. Oh, wait, that's what's that's so right. upsetting. We're not supposed to mention Twitter. And I and I Bleak love that out, I Sean. love Instagram. Guys, follow me so I can get a blue check mark on Instagram. <laughs> uh, and then the, patri- the matters, Patreon is not at still all. Not, not at all. all. Yeah. I know. Uh, the Patreon is patreon.com slash Jamie Kilstein podcast. We love you, man. I love you guys so much. This was amazing seeing you guys. And we love you patrons. All right, Couldn't do it without you. Love people. Use things. Bye. Peace. The Minimalists. <laughs>